Welcome to the Royal Ramble Podcast on this Thursday, March the 2nd, 2017, live on itsyourradio.com. I am your host, Brian Sendek. With me, as always, is the co-host, Ryan Waterall. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Brian. I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good myself, man. We have a lot to cover within the next two hours of this show. Uh, a lot has gone on over the past couple of days in the world of professional wrestling, and we also have a big weekend for you guys as later in the show, both myself and Ryan go on to preview and predict both UFC 209, which takes place this Saturday in Las Vegas on pay-per-view 10 p.m. Eastern time. Two big title matches will be defended, will take place on that night. And then on Sunday, the final Raw pay-per-view of the year before WrestleMania and that is Fastlane. So we're going to both preview and predict both those shows a little bit later. But we have a lot to recap. A lot has gone on over the past couple of days. This past weekend, we have Evolve 78 and 79. Big, big title change took place at Evolve 79. We also had New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor had their Honor Rising shows. That took place uh, Sunday morning and Monday morning. we got to recap both those shows we also got to give a quick recap to Raw, to SmackDown Live, to NXT. A lot going on. Also, some news going on in TNA as they're moving in a different direction. So, a lot to cover within the next two hours of the show. Before we get into all the news, you guys want to follow us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Royal Ramble IYR. For myself personally, you can follow me at B underscore Senek 95. For Ryan, at Ryan underscore Martirano. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Royal Ramble Wrestling. Follow us on Instagram at Royal Ramble Wrestling. If you guys happen to miss us live here on itsyourradio.com, you can listen to our podcast ver- uh, excuse me, podcast version on both Stitcher and on iTunes. So there you go. Let's get right into it. We'll start it off, though, with some news that happened this weekend. Uh, again, let's talk about the Evolve. We'll start off with the Evolve show. Actually, before we get into the Evolve show, I want to give a shout-out to NYWC Wrestling. It's a wrestling promotion that takes place in Deer Park, Long Island, New York. And they held a show Saturday evening called the Psycho Circus Show, which is basically their WrestleMania. And some big names were in the show. Bull James, of course, was a former NXT superstar under the name Bull Dempsey. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck, ECW legend, and Tommy Dreamer, another ECW legend, the man that many people think is the heart and soul of that company, were all there to perform for us fans. It was a tremendous show. A big congratulations, by the way, to Bull James, 
who went on to become the new NYWC World Champion as he won the belt in the Psycho Circus match where he, along with Tommy Dreamer, teamed together with some other superstars to take on Stockade, the House of Hatred. Really, really fun match. Very physical. It felt like I was watching ECW all over again. The stuff they were doing to each other, whether it was Tommy Dreamer pile-driving some woman or someone getting put through fire. It was a great match. And the whole show was great itself. Big O became the new uh, NYWC, I think, uh, is their mid-card championship. He went on to win that. We also crowned a new Starlet champion is Willing uh, uh, Will, uh, Willow Nightingale. Excuse me, but uh, that's a, just a big name. Willow Nightingale became the new women's champion of um, <coughs> of NYWC. So just a great show. Myself and Ryan were in attendance. We got to meet some of the wrestlers there. Just a fun, fun show. Uh, their next show, I'm not sure when it's going to be. I think it's happening during WrestleMania season back in Deer Park, Long Island. A great crowd was on hand for Saturday. So great shout-out to those guys. Great show. Had fun for my first time. I know it's, Ryan's been there a number of times because it's a show close to his house. But so much good things to say about NYWC. And personally, I can't wait to go back to see another show. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a fun time. I'm glad you got down there, Brian. I'm glad you enjoyed and had a great experience for your first time. I can't wait to get to more shows with you either. I mean, uh, I've been going for years, like you said. I've been uh, going to this uh, venue for a while now. I uh, basically know this place by, by heart, know a lot of the wrestlers. I've met them over the years. Um, seen Tony Nese, who you can see on Monday Night Raw and in the Cruiserweight Division 205 Live. He was all, always there. Uh, he was the heart and soul of that company for a long, long time before he headed out. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been there for years, and it's a great atmosphere in the small little building. It's great wrestling. It's got a great locker room. I highly suggest if you're in the area, check it out next time. Uh, yeah, I think the next show is March 25th, but I'm not too sure on that one. Uh, I know you probably can't make that, Brian, as you'll probably be in Orlando at that time. So maybe we'll shoot for another show in April. But again, yeah, I had a lot of fun, too. It was a great show, and I can't wait to get to more. Yeah, absolutely. So I had a lot of fun. But on that same night was Evolve 79. And on that show, we crowned a new Evolve World Champion. Big congratulations to Zack Sabre Jr., who defeated Timothy Thatcher to become the new champion. Now, Thatcher's been the champion for about over a year, basically. He's been the, the champion, the top guy for the Evolve Wrestling Company for a long, long time. And it was time for a change, basically. I mean, yeah, he had a good run as champion, but... People were getting sick and tired of seeing Timothy Thatcher carrying that belt. They wanted a new champion, and what better new champion to have than Zack Sabre Jr., who today, according to the Wrestling Observer, became uh, won the Technical Wrestler of the Year Award, also known as the Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson Award. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., without a doubt, is the greatest technical wrestler in the world today. Nobody does what this guy does in the ring. And from the moment I heard that he was going to be challenging Thatcher for this belt, I told myself there's no way that Saber can lose this match. He's just that good. He's just that better than Timothy Thatcher. If Thatcher came out winning the match, it better be on a screwy finish, not a clean finish like Thatcher's been doing, been, been um, putting together over some of the other wrestlers in the company. There was no way that I wanted to see that happen. And just great to hear Zack Sabre Jr. won the belt. This guy has been wrestling for Evolve for a couple of years now. He's put together some great matches for the company. 
And like I said, this guy is one of the best wrestlers in the world today. He's the current PWG World Champion. And now he can call himself a double champion. As now he is the Evolved Champion. And there were so many other great matches that took place that weekend. Drew Galloway versus Matt Riddle. I heard was a very good match. ACH made a big impact that weekend. So did Keith Lee. Uh, Ethan Page was there. Jason Kincaid was there. So Evolve 79 delivered a great show from what I've heard. As our good buddies from the Sunday shoot, John and Anthony, were in attendance for that. They said it was an awesome show. And Evolve 80 is their next show, which is happening WrestleMania week. And Zack Sabre Jr.'s first title defense will be against ACH. What better first opponent for Zack than ACH for that championship? But all in all, big congratulations for Zack. Sad that I couldn't see it live because I was in and I was in attendance for NYWC Wrestling. But overall, though, just a great moment. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Zack Sabre Jr. does now as he is the new Evolve champion. Yeah, I think I could speak for everybody when I say thank God Timothy Thatcher is no longer champion of Evolve. I mean, it was just getting tiresome. Nobody wanted to see this guy as the champion anymore. I mean, I think it was a 500-plus title reign, 500-day-plus, uh, and it just, it's just it's unbelievable. You know, I mean, he, he's... You can make a case that he has some talent to him, obviously, because, you know, they wouldn't just keep the strap on him for over a year if he didn't have talent. But to me, the guy is boring. He is just so boring, not entertaining. Every time I watched him, he put me to sleep. Thank God Zack Sabre Jr. is the new champion. He deserves it, and he is the guy that should be carrying Evolve Wrestling on its back uh, into the future. So I'm glad the reign of Thatcher is finally over. And like you said, Brian, I had kind of the same feeling as you did when this match was announced. Um, I said, Zack Sabre Jr. has to win this match. There is no way he's going to lose. And I said to myself, if he does lose, it's going to be a screwy finish. But there is no way Thatcher is going to beat him cleanly. That didn't happen as Zack made him tap out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, what an unbelievable response it was, too. I saw the video of, uh, you know, of Zack winning. And when Thatcher taps out, the crowd at La Boom in Queens just goes absolutely nuts. I wish I was there in attendance. But, you know, like you said, Brian, we were at NYWC. It's kind of tough when you got two events going on in the tri-state area and you got to pick one. Uh, you know, again, both events were great. So it's not like I regret going to NYWC instead. But, man, that atmosphere at La Boom seemed very, very special. So it was a great night for Zack Sabre Jr., like you said, the whole card looked pretty good, too. Uh, Matt Riddle and uh, Drew Galloway was a good match, too. I think there was no decisive winner in that one, though. I believe it was a ref stoppage, so nobody won that match. I think they do have a rematch set for Evolve 80 in Orlando. Uh, you know, again, Keith Lee made his, uh, you know, a couple appearances this weekend, too. ACH making a huge impact. And like you said, will now challenge Zack Sabre Jr. at Evolve 80. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like two great Evolve events. Of course, we had Evolve 78 the night before. But, again, everybody's just talking about Evolve 79 and Zack Sabre Jr. winning the Evolve Championship. So, hey, you know what? PWG World Champion, Evolve World Champion. This guy's on a roll right now. He's heading to New Japan to take on Shibata next Monday. So, Zack Sabre Jr. is on top of the wrestling world right now. It's great to see. But, like I said... Thank God the reign of Timothy Thatcher has finally come to an end. And let's dive into New Japan Pro Wrestling as this past weekend, along with Ring of Honor, held the Honor Rising shows that took place uh, Sunday morning and Monday morning here on the East Coast. Um, it was a big event because, number one, the Bullet Club made their return on television for the first time since Wrestle Kingdom 
Um, you know, Kenny Omega, of course, made his first appearance since Wrestle Kingdom. The Young Bucks, same thing. Uh, the whole group itself made their return to uh, Wrestle Kingdom, but the match cards were really good. I know most of them were tag team matches, but still, the list of names that took place on the show were huge. Okada, Tanahashi, LIJ, Shibata, Tomohiro Ishii. So, uh, it was a good show. I watched both shows, both very, very good. Uh, the first night was a very fun uh, fun show. We had a couple of big tag team matches. War Machine versus the Young Bucks. Really, really good stuff. War Machine picked up the win. Kind of an upset because the Young Bucks run the tag team division, not just in New Japan, but in, in all over the world. But War Machine is just a beast of a tag team when you're talking about uh, Raymond Rowe and Hanson. Uh, another tag team match that was really good was Lethal and Shibata took on Cody Rhodes and uh, Hangman Page. Very good stuff there. Of course, they're continuing the story. Between Cody and Lethal, going back to um, to final excuse me final battle when Cody Rhodes turned heel, they're having their match of course at Supercard of Honor. Uh, we also saw a little glimpse of what could be in the future with Shibata and Cody Rhodes. And personally, if I'm New Japan Pro Wrestling, I'm considering having a Shibata Cody Rhodes feud. That would be absolutely money. I just think their chemistry would be really really good. Cody could play the heel role. Shibata the uh, ultra babyface. That would be some good stuff. Uh, Lethal and Shibata picked up the win. And then in the main event, we saw Kenny Omega team with Adam Cole to take on the Briscoes. Very very good match. Uh, Omega and Cole picked up the victory. Uh, I'm not digging the new look for Jay Briscoe. He's got a new hairdo. Not a fan of it, but still, Briscoe is one of the baddest dudes on the planet, along with his brother Mark. Uh, Adam Cole, I thought, was hysterical in this match. The constant Adam Cole baby chance. It was a little bit too much in the very end, but I get why he's doing it. Number one, to get over with the fans, because you've been hearing from the Young Bucks, if you listen to them on interviews, that they're trying to get this Adam Cole Bebe catchphrase over in Japan, and right now it's working uh, as the fans are digging this whole thing. But when I was watching that match, and then the promo after the match, Omega got on the microphone, he was saying you know, his usual stuff, that he's back, that he's ready to take over Japan once again. And then Adam Cole took the microphone away from him, basically telling Omega, that's great and all, but the year 2017 is going to be the year of Adam Cole. You can sense that there's going to be some sort of dissension within the group pretty soon. And you have to think that Adam Cole could be on the way out, especially with his contract coming up with Ring of Honor in just about over a month. His contract is up in April, so... Are we seeing the beginnings of a tension, a dissension from the group with Adam Cole? Possibly, you never know. But I mentioned this on the Instagram page if you follow us at the Royal, at, uh, Royal Ramble Wrestling. Is that the Bullet Club still is a great act in wrestling today. They really are. They have a ton of star power in Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. But they just don't have that same hype as they used to have. You know, back when AJ Styles and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows were there. I'm not sure what it is, but they're just not generating enough hype to me that tells me they are uh, the best act in wrestling today. Personally, I think Los Inglenables de Japón, that faction led by Tetsuya Naito, is the best faction in wrestling because they are making a huge statement in Japan. They're carrying the gold. Naito is the Intercontinental Champion. Uh, Takahashi, the IWGP uh, junior heavyweight champion, and the rest of the group are the six-man tag team champions. They're just generating a lot more buzz in the Bullet Club. Heck, even Catchpoint and Evolve is becoming a big-time faction in wrestling. 
And I, I don't know what it is, but something is not right with the Bullet Club. They're, they're not generating enough hype like they used to be. And I think for this group to get back that top spot as one of the biggest acts in wrestling, something has to happen, whether it is dissension from the group like Adam Cole getting kicked out or possibly a whole face turn because we've been hearing rumors that Bullet Club might turn face as an entire group because they have too many heel factions in Japan with LIJ, with Suzuki Gun, and pos- and maybe a little bit you could say Chaos is a heel faction. But uh, so many heel factions there that they need a face faction, and Bullet Club has been talked about turning face. Maybe that can help them out, or maybe, like I said before, someone getting kicked out of the group has to happen because this group needs to, needs to find that spark again as one of the top acts in wrestling. I just don't see it these days. And they're doing the same stuff every single week. I mean, yes, it's fun and all. They're entertaining. They're great performers. But they're just not generating that buzz like they used to, man. And part of it has to do with some of the losses that they've suffered over the past year. Losing AJ Styles was a killer. So was Anderson and Gallows. They were killers. But again, they have enough star power on this group. The names I just mentioned are big-time performers. They have enough star power where they should be one of the tops, one of the top backs in wrestling. Maybe I'm overreacting, but that's just my feeling. Another problem with this group that I'm not liking is the constant additions. I get it. Frankie Kazarian is now a member of the Bullet Club, but did that, did that really make sense? Do you really need to add another member? I just think they're going back to what NWO was doing back in the late 90s when almost everybody joined the NWO. doesn't matter if you're a face or a heel. You joined NWO. I don't think Bullet Club is there yet, but with these constant additions just out of nowhere, I think they're starting to get to that point where they're becoming a newer version of the NWO in terms of them just adding people left and right. You don't know what to expect now on who's going to join the Bullet Club. Whoever thought that Kazarian was going to join the Bullet Club and leave Christopher Daniels, I didn't see the coming. So you just don't know these days when someone is going to join the Bullet Club. And to me, you can't have too many members because it just doesn't feel right. The group would be too much, too big. Keep it at a certain limit. And personally to me, like I said, I'm not here dissing the Bullet Club. Those are my guys. I love watching the Bullet Club perform. Some of my favorite wrestlers in the world are from that group. But they're just not the same group as they used to be. Maybe because there are other acts better than them these days. Or it's just because they haven't done anything significant basically since the Adam Cole... Uh, Adam Cole uh, joining the Bullet Club. Ever since then, what big thing has this group done as a whole? I mean, yeah, Kenny Omega's made a big statement last year. The Bucks are the best tag team in the world. Adam Cole's a Ring of Honor champion. But as a whole, what has this done? What has this group done significantly that has really had the wrestling world talking? Nothing ever since Adam Cole joined the Bullet Club. So we'll see what happens. I mean, they're in an okay position. But if you're the Bullet Club, you want to be the top wrestling act in the world in order for that to happen yet again something has to happen to generate a ton of buzz from the wrestling world and who knows what's going to happen with that i'm not sure what's going to happen but overall the bullet club is back good to see them but in my personal opinion they need to do something in order to gain that top spot back from groups like lij and chaos 
Yeah, no, I uh, definitely tend to agree with that. And, you know, it's going to happen. I mean, at one time, the Bullet Club was on top of the world. I mean, look who they had in the group at that time. They had, you know, Gallows, Anderson, AJ Styles. Even before AJ Styles, they had Prince Devitt. Uh, you know, again, they were on top of the wrestling world. But, you know, it's just hard to maintain that over the years. Again, when people come and go constantly, you know, like you said, AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, all left. Finn Balor, obviously, is now in WWE. They're all in WWE now. All of them left. So the club took a big, big hit. I know Kenny Omega took over as the leader of the group. But like you said, it just doesn't feel important or special anymore and yeah when adam cole joined yeah there was a lot of buzz and there was a lot of hype and that was probably the last good thing that the bullet club did like you said but i think part of the problem too is these guys barely feel like a group anymore like when when certain guys come out you know that they're from the bullet club but they don't do things together anymore they do a lot of things separate nowadays kenny omega the young bucks the elite Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, and the Bucks, the Dream Team. You don't see the Bullet Club together all the time anymore. T Tama Tonga, Tonga Roa, Bad Luck Fale, Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi. They do their own separate thing nowadays in New Japan. You barely ever see them teaming up with the Bucks or teaming up with Kenny Omega. You don't see that happening anymore. You barely see any interaction between the group as a whole anymore, unlike groups like LIJ who constantly interact with each other. I mean, Tetsuya Naito is always teaming with, uh, you know, Bushi, Evil, Sonata, all those guys. I mean, you don't see that with the Bullet Club anymore. We used to see that, but we haven't in a long time. Guys, too, like Chase Owens, where has he been? We have not seen him in a very, very long time. You just see people, like, they just, like, fade away, and you kind of forget about them half the time. Just like you said, too, with these latest additions, how does Frankie Kazarian make any sense in this group? How does he make any bit of sense? I haven't really watched Ring of Honor because it's very difficult for me because I don't have it on television anymore, so... Each week, I'm going to have to go on ringofhonorwrestling.com, and I have not seen uh, the Frankie Kazarian heel turn. I don't even know if it aired yet. I have no idea. But he just does not make sense in this group whatsoever. Is he ever going to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are we ever going to see him and, and Kenny Omega teaming up together? Or is it just going to be Bullet Club Ring of Honor? Is he just going to be part of the group there? You know, you see Cody Rhodes. We saw him this past weekend finally interact with guys like, uh, you know, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole and Omega, which was very, very cool. But again, you really didn't see Cody Rhodes with the rest of the group either. So who even knows, like, if they know each other? I'm sure they do, obviously, because they're all backstage together. But on screen, it it's like they don't even know each other. It's very, very weird, and it's hard to explain. But I think that's why the Bull Club hasn't been successful as of late and, like, why people want to see people like... You know, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, they want to see the elite. They don't want to see the Bullet Club. That's why they are something separate. They are the elite. That's why Adam Cole, the Bucks, and Omega are the dream team. It just doesn't feel like an entire group anymore. Like I said, when certain guys come out, you'll always know that they are Bullet Club, but it just doesn't feel like it is anymore, and I think that's part of the problem too. But as far as, you know, the shows go this past weekend, I watched both of them. I stayed up uh, for both of them. I know I'm crazy, but you know what? They were great cards, well worth it, well worth sacrificing some sleep for. Uh, definitely a lot of fun. Night one, like you just said, uh, had a lot of great matches with Cody Rhodes uh, teaming up with Hangman Page versus Jay Lethal and Shibata, the Shibata-Cody Rhodes stuff, like you said. That's money, and I cannot wait to see more. They teased it, so I'm sure down the line we're going to see more from these two guys. Uh, so that was great stuff there. 
main event was great with Adam Cole and Kenny Omega teaming up together. But like you said, post-match is what everybody's talking about. And it seems like Adam Cole might be, you know, driving a wedge in between, you know, the Bullet Club here and, and really asking for it because you could just tell that something's up with this. And, you know, it reminds me of when Kenny Omega kicked uh, AJ Styles out of the club. I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens here. And it's very, very intriguing because does that mean Adam Cole is leaving Ring of Honor? I mean, that's the only thing I could think about because why would he get kicked out of the club if he was sticking around? That makes no sense. But the whole entire thing was very, very awkward between Kenny and Adam. I don't like it. I wish they would just be on the same page. But, uh, you know, it, it's fishy. So I'm curious to see how it all plays out in the next coming months. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you said it perfectly. You know, they, they're not working as a group anymore. They're all in separate factions, like you said, basically. You have Omega and the Bucks are part of the elite. Um, you have, again, you know, Adam Gold, the Omega and the Bucks. They're the dream team. You know, Tonga, uh, Tonga, Tonga, Tonga Roa are Gorillas of Destiny. Even Bailock Fale is a part of their group a little bit. They just don't work as a unit anymore, like LIJ does. You know, like you said, every time you see Tetsuya Naito wrestling, you see, like, Bushi somewhere, you see Evil somewhere, you see Sonata, you see Takahashi, because their group only consists of five members. Now, I'm not saying Bullet Club should go to five members, but still, though, the constant addition to these guys, to the group, doesn't make sense. You're oversaturating it. Big time, just like what NWO did back in the late 90s when they added guys like Lex Luger, when they added Sting, when they added Scott Steiner. It's just too much. You don't want to go over the top with this with this group because it is a very good group. It should be the talk of the wrestling world, but it's just not because other wrestling acts have leapfrogged them as the best wrestling acts in the world today, like LIJ. Like Suzuki Gun when they made their return after Wrestle Kingdom. So, uh, again, we'll see what happens. I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think something's fishy going on in terms of Adam Cole leaving the Bullet Club. If that is the case, then that is a guarantee to me that he's leaving Ring of Honor. Because, like you said, Ryan, it doesn't make sense to kick him out of the Bullet Club and then to have him stay with Ring of Honor. Being back as a singles guy doesn't make sense. So, uh, I think if that does happen, where is it going to happen? I'm not so sure. Maybe at Supercard of Honor. When he puts the belt on the line against Dalton Castle, uh, I think that could be the night. Maybe they kick him out in Japan. Who the heck knows? But uh, if that does happen, then clearly that is a guarantee or an indication that Adam Cole is on the way out of Ring of Honor. The officials think he is going to leave Ring of Honor. You never know. Maybe Adam Cole says, no, I want to stay here maybe for two more years. I want to st stick around, be with the Bullet Club. You never know. Things can change immediately, but... From the officials' perspective, they think that he's leaving for WWE. If that's the case, then expect to see some sort of dissension from him in the group some point, maybe around WrestleMania season. Uh, speaking of leaving companies, let's talk about TNA. A lot of stuff is going on recently with the future of TNA. Jeff Jarrett is back in control, running the show over there in TNA. And we're starting to see a lot of big names from that company leaving for other opportunities. Right at the very top is the Hardy Boys. Broken Matt, Brother Nero, Jeff Hardy are both out of TNA today. They have not signed new contracts. There's no intention of signing new contracts. And they're basically free agents right now. And um, first and foremost, that is a crucial, crucial, crucial loss for TNA. Basically because they are the best act. That TNA has. It's maybe sad to say because the Hardy Boys <clears throat> have been around for such a long time. They're an old, old act. 
uh, basically because they've been around for so long. But the whole broken Matt Hardy gimmick and Brother Nero, which is so, so damn good. I mean, in the very beginning, I was not a fan of it. To be honest, I, was not a, a fo- I wasn't fond of this Matt Hardy gimmick change. I didn't think it was going to work because it was not what I thought Matt Hardy could be. But Matt Hardy's so damn talented that he made this gimmick work. And then he added his brother into it. He was fitting into the gimmick. And the Broken Hardy's gimmick is one of the best gimmicks in wrestling, period. I mean, hell, if you look at the Wrestling Observer Awards, Matt Hardy won gimmick of the year, basically. The Broken gimmick was just genius out of Matt Hardy. And, you know, they drew the most ratings out of any act, out of any segment, on TNA Television Weekly. You know, people watch TNA these days to watch what the Hardys were going to do because you just didn't know what to expect next from Matt and Jeff Hardy. You had Final Deletion. You had Delete and Decay. You had all these other weird, bizarre segments that went on, but people tuned in because it was entertaining. It was bizarre, yes, but it was entertaining from a lot of fans' perspective. And now that they're gone... It's only going to hurt the ratings even more because, like I said, that was the biggest act on that show. So Matt and Jeff are both gone. In terms of their futures and where they're going to go, a lot of rumors are going around that they're going to be in WWE by WrestleMania. I'm not so sure about that because there's been other rumors that New Japan Pro Wrestling is in talks with the Hardy Boys about bringing them over to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Personally, here is my thought on the Hardy Boys and their futures. If Matt Hardy wants to continue this broken Hardy gimmick, don't go to WWE because they will not allow that to happen. Because here's the deal, people. In TNA, Matt Hardy had creative control on his gimmick. All right, TNA did not control his character. He controlled his character. And he also had part of creative control within the company. And I think, you know, if he goes to WWE... He's not going to get that type of treatment. There's no way that Vince McMahon is going to let Matt Hardy and his brother create uh, control their own characters. That's just not going to happen. So if, Mar- if Matt Hardy wants to continue to do this broken Hardy stuff with his brother and his wife, then there's no reason for him to go to WWE. Another reason why they should not go to WWE is the schedule. And both Matt and Jeff have made that publicly clear that they don't want to face that WWE schedule again. If they can work something out like a part-time schedule like Brock Lesnar's got, like Goldberg has, then maybe something could work out. But I don't see that being the case. I think if they sign the Hardys, they want them to be full-time performers. And I don't see that working out with Matt and Jeff Hardy. So personally... We hear the rumors of them going to WWE. Would it be awesome? Absolutely. Who does not want to see the Hardys back in WWE? But it doesn't make sense on the Hardy side because of those two reasons. The work schedule will be tough and they won't have their control of their characters. And again, you know, from a fan's perspective, if they hear the Hardy boys are coming back to WWE, they are expecting the broken Hardys, not normal Matt, not normal Jeff. They want to see the Broken Hardys. They've become such a big deal in wrestling for the past year. That is the fans' expectations when they come to WWE is they come in as the Broken Gimmicks. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe Vince says, you know what? This Broken Gimmick is pretty cool. I'm going to let these guys be who they want to be. But that's the problem. Vince doesn't let that happen. He doesn't give his talents 
creative control of their own character. He controls the characters. That's why I don't think Matt and Jeff going to WWE is the smart move. Now, when it comes to Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling, absolutely, they will have control of their gimmicks. All right, Ring of Honor doesn't control a lot of their talent. The Young Bucks, Adam Cole, they're not controlled by Ring of Honor. They go out there and do what is necessary for them to get over. Same thing in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Gato doesn't control his talents. They go out there and they perform on their own terms. That's where I think the Hardy Boys will fit perfectly because, like I said before, people... They are so over as the broken gimmicks, it would be criminal if they change their gimmicks if they go to some other wrestling company. Now, TNA says that they control the gimmicks, not necessarily, doesn't say, I don't think in Matt Hardy's contract that says that. I think Matt Hardy created the gimmick. It wasn't pitched to Matt Hardy. He created it himself. So you can basically say that that's Matt's control. He controls that gimmick, not TNA, but it's an overall mess. TNA... Where are they going to go from here? There's some other losses that we're going to get into and let Ryan uh, take his, uh, uh, have his point, his uh, take on the whole Hardy situation. But back to the Hardys. If they want to go someplace, for my advice, go to Ring of Honor New Japan because they would still be the broken Hardys. If they go to WWE, I guarantee you they will not go into WWE as the broken Hardys for one simple reason. Vince McMahon will not let these guys control their characters. Vince McMahon will be making the decisions on what he wants Matt and Jeff Hardy to be. Yeah, first off, this is really surprising to me that they left TNA. I mean, I knew they were going to probably both leave eventually. I know that they're not going to retire uh, from in-ring competition in TNA. I knew that they were going to go back to WWE at some point before their careers were over. I just didn't think it would be this quickly. I, I mean, uh, they're doing some fun stuff on Impact right now, and I believe, you know, the next couple of uh, you know episodes maybe, or I mean, I just watched last week's episode, and they were on it, and they did, they did some awesome stuff. So I'm sure that you know, I don't know if tonight's a new episode. I know that they have a couple of tapings going down tonight. So I don't know if tonight's a live episode or whatnot, or if they're taping for the next couple of weeks after tonight. Uh, but again, it's you know they've been doing some great stuff on TV lately. Um, it kind of just seems like this was out of nowhere, and for them to now depart the company, and they're still the tag team champions. So you would think that they would have these guys at least appear on TV to kind of have a farewell send-off where they drop the titles or, you know, they do some angle where, you know, they get kicked out of, you know, TNA or whatever. But now they're just abruptly leaving. They're, they, they're, they're done. Matt Hardy tweeted and everything. So they're not even at the tapings tonight. So I'm curious to see how TNA writes these guys off. And I'm sure they got their titles back, but how are they going to do this on television i mean again this was just such an abrupt you know departure that i'm really really shocked that it happened so quickly like this uh so you know obviously they weren't the only ones we'll get into the other ones in a little bit but these were the biggest names that left the company and you know like you said brian i mean if they go to wwe will they get their creative freedom that's the main question of course they had it in tna and they would have it in other places like you said like new japan or ring of honor but you know what I think they might have a little bit of creative control. As crazy as that sounds, Vince and Triple H, they have to know the buzz that Matt Hardy has been generating since this broken character debuted. There is no way 
they bring these guys in and, you know, they go back to their old ways, how they were, uh, you know, when they previously left WWE. There is no way they have Matt Hardy drop this broken gimmick without at least giving it a shot in WWE. I, I, I mean, again, I know, you know, Vince wants things done the way he wants it done, but this broken gimmick is money. It is money, and I think Vince... Sorry about the people, some technical difficulties uh, with Ryan's Skype account. I'm not sure what is going on, but yeah, I, I get where Ryan is coming from with that. Um, again, but I just it's so it's so tough for me to believe that Vince McMahon is going to let the parties be free and what they're going to do with their gimmicks. I I don't know. I don't see that Vince. Like I said, you know, he wants things done his own way, and I don't think he's going to want. Matt and Jeff Hardy control their characters like TNA did. You know, TNA gave Matt and Jeff the freedom to go out there, do what they have to do, and they delivered. And like I said before, they were the the biggest act that TNA had every single week. And now that they're no longer there, it's kind of tough to see how they're going to survive uh, without them. Plus, we had some other losses that TNA suffered. We saw Michael Bennett and Maria Kanellis leave TNA. Uh, that's a crucial loss for that company because i think maria was really finding her way as a top-notch uh women's performer in the company uh you know she might have been the best act in the women's in the knockouts division uh for for tna and now that she's gone along with her husband michael bennett what's going to do for those two uh drew galloway as well no longer going to be with the company uh, we're hearing rumors that he could be on his way to Evolve Wrestling. Uh, I think we got Ryan back. Ryan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Uh, all right, so get back to your point, Ryan. Yeah, sorry. I don't even know when I cut out. I don't know how much you actually heard of me talking. I just realized after I was done that I got disconnected. But like I said, I think inevitably the Hardy's WWE, and I think Vince and Triple H are taking a shot on them and bringing their broken gimmicks in uh, just for a shot. You know, again, if it doesn't catch on, Maybe they'll go back to their old ways, but I do think they're going to take a shot on this because they have to be aware of how over this thing is. They have to know the delete, all the chants that they hear all the time. They have to know what Matt Hardy's been up to. And like I said, it would just be a huge missed opportunity if they don't capitalize on this. Just take a chance, like I said, for a little bit. If it works out, great. If not, you can always change their gimmicks. They're the Hardy Boys. They're popular. People will love them no matter what. So I think, you know, inevitably they're coming to WWE. I don't know if it's going to be as soon as WrestleMania, but I think they're coming, and they're coming with their broken gimmicks. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that, but they are officially out of TNA, and I was just talking about this a little bit before. There are other names that are leaving TNA. One of them, of course, you know, Drew Galloway is a big name leaving the company. Drew Galloway, former WWE superstar, and really one of the best independent wrestlers right now in the world. Um, he's leaving the company as well. Uh, in terms of his future, I've heard nothing about him going to WWE. He's right now just working for the companies that he's entitled to work for, whether it is for Evolve Wrestling, whether it's for WCPW, 
uh, all over the British wrestling uh, independent scene. That's what he's doing right now in terms of WWE. No rumors, no reports have been reported yet, but he is a free agent. And if you're WWE, you see the way Drew Galloway is working right now. It makes perfect sense to bring him back. You know, he could be a, a nice uh, performer for the WWE, whether it's on the main roster or in NXT. Uh, also, I just mentioned before as well, Maria Kanellis and Michael Bennett. Uh, that is another big loss for that company, especially, like I said before, with Maria ever since she uh, joined TNA with her husband. You know, she has been one of the top acts in the knockouts division, along with uh, Laurel Van Ness, uh, with Allie, uh, with so many other talent, Gail Kim. Now she's not going to be with the company anymore. That's another big loss. Another loss as well in the knockouts division is Jade. So. It looks like clearly that TNA is going in a way different direction. They're rebuilding. Uh, it's not going to garner a lot of viewers, but I think rebuilding is the right move. You know, because look, you know, this company's been in shambles for such a long time that they need a new fresh start. The logo is a fresh start. They call themselves Impact Wrestling. Jeff Jarrett's back running the show. They're going to start from the beginning, and hopefully this whole rebuilding process works because you don't want to see this company go out of business. They've had a lot of success in the past. Recently, though, not so much. And with all these talents leaving, it's not going to help them immediately, but it's a way for TNA to introduce newer talent. It's a way to, for TNA to bring in newer talent, hopefully some, uh, hopefully their new talent shine with the, with the lights bright. So uh, they still have some good wrestlers there, no doubt about that. Trevor Lee... Bobby Lashley, Eddie Edwards, uh, you know, Damian Sandow, who is known as Aaron Rex right now. There is some quality wrestlers still in the show, but you have to admit, man, the losses of the Hardys, the losses of Kanellis and Bennett, the loss of Jade, the loss of Drew Galloway, those are significant losses that is going to hurt this company for now until they find the next new wave of crop, the next new crop of talent to lead this company. It's going to take a while, but I think Jeff Jarrett has a patient approach. He envisions his company being back at the very top where they used to be. Not going to compete with WWE. We all know that. But again, you know, if you're Jeff Jarrett, you got to do your best to put on good television every single week. You want to try to bring viewers in. How are you going to do that? I'm not so sure. It's going to be tough to convince fans to watch TNA again when this company has been so, so bad for the past few years. And now they hear that the Hardy Boys are not on the show anymore. Why should they even watch TNA now? Because like I said before... The Hardy Boys were a big reason why people tuned in every Thursday night because they want to see what the Hardys were going to do next. Now they're no longer there. That's going to cut the viewership big time. Even Maria Kanellis and Michael Bennett, they drew some viewership because their story with Ali was very, very good with EC3. Now they're not going to be there. So it's going to be a long process for TNA to get back where they want to be. But I like the direction. I, I like the, the thought process that Jeff Jarrett's taking right now. He knows he has to rebuild. He's going to take the patient approach, and hopefully during this rebuild, we get to see more positive numbers with this company because, again, you don't want to see a wrestling company go out of business ever because it cuts jobs. Uh, now all these wrestlers have to find different opportunities. It, it's You don't want to see that happen. You don't, you don't want to see people lose jobs. You don't want to see a company go down. You want to see them continue to grow, grow, grow. This company's been sinking, but I think with Jeff Jarrett back at the helm, he's a smart guy. He knows how to create good television. I think he'll do his job to get TNA back to where they want to be, where they need to be. It's going to take a while, but I think with the right guy at the helm, TNA should produce better television some point in the future. To when that will be, 
Who knows? But as of right now, it's a dark day for TNA because they lost a lot of talent. And the majority of the talent that they lost were their biggest acts every single week. And I'm not sure how this company is going to replace them. Yeah, no, that's perfectly said, Brian. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people are bashing TNA, laughing at them, saying, oh, it's the same old TNA, letting all this talent walk away from the company, all this and that. I know all these losses, like you just mentioned, are really, really significant losses. I mean, you know, Drew Galloway, the Hardys, Mike and Maria, Jade. I mean, these are big losses for the company, and they were regulars on television. I mean, again, I just watched Impact last week, and I saw Drew Galloway, I saw Mike Bennett, I saw Maria Kanellis, I saw Jade, and I saw the Hardys. And one week later, they're all gone. And there's new tapings tonight for the next couple of weeks and maybe the next couple of months. Who knows how much they're taping? But like you said, you have to trust in Jeff Jarrett. I mean, this is not Dixie Carter era anymore. This is no longer Dixie Carter's TNA. This is Jeff Jarrett's TNA once again. And you've got to trust in him to make the right decisions and bring in the right talent. Again, he's rebuilding. He's coming in and he's doing things his way. I know. Uh, I think Magnus is coming back tonight. He's reportedly in Orlando at the tapings tonight. That was one of Jeff Jarrett's guys. I mean, when Magnus left TNA a couple of years ago, he went to GFW for a little bit. That was one of Jeff Jarrett's boys. He's bringing him back. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more guys that he comes that he brings back. I know he's bringing back a bunch of you know creative uh, you know names for the creative team or whatnot. He's going to do things his way again. And, you know, you got to trust in him to make TNA great again. Of course, you know, there's going to be some critics, and people are never going to give TNA a chance. They'll never say that TNA is going to be great. But you know what? TNA once was great. I mean, it really was. At one point, I enjoyed TNA better than WWE back in 2009, 2010, you know, right before Hulk Hogan came in and made all these changes. TNA was really, really good. And maybe it can get back to that. I don't really know. It's going to take a while. Like you said, Brian, it's a rebuilding process now. But again, it's just not Dixie Carter anymore. This is Jeff Jarrett. He is a brilliant wrestling mind. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. He's not just going to let all this talent walk away and not have a plan. He would never have taken over the company again if he didn't have a plan in place. So I trust in Jeff Jarrett. And again, I mean... I'll always be a supporter of Impact, so I'm not really panicking, nor do I really care. I, I do believe that Impact is going to survive. I don't think it's going to die. But you know what? Like you said, it's a process. It's going to take a while. Everybody just has to be patient. But you got to think Jeff Jarrett is going to be here to save the day. Yeah, and if there's any guy that could save this company, it's Jeff Jarrett because, let's be honest, he was one of the guys that started this company back in 2002, right when WCW crashed. It went out of business. Jeff Jarrett focused on trying to set up his own company with the Rhodes, of course. Dusty Rhodes came in to help him out, and that was TNA. And, and for years, you know, in, in, in the middle of the 2000s, you know, from like 2004 to 2009, TNA was an awesome company to watch. It was a great show to watch every single week. The talent that they had was tremendous. But like you said, Ryan, when Hulk Hogan came in, he brought in Eric Bischoff, things went downhill when he made all those changes. And it's been a long time to recover from that. And now Jeff Jarrett, the guy that started it all, is back. He knows how to save this company. I think he's going to do it. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. But like I said, people, for those of you fans that are diehard TNA fans, don't panic. It's going to take a while, but just take the patient approach. I think with Jeff Jarrett's mind, his creativeness, the way he handles the talent, I think he's going to do a good job in getting this company back where they should be. 
Let's now move on to WWE and specifically Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT for the past week. Uh, in terms of Monday Night Raw, I mean, it was, again, an average show in my opinion. Uh, of course, it was the go-home show for Raw heading into Fastlane. So this had to be a big show for Raw as they're heading to their final pay-per-view uh, before WrestleMania. And again, it was just an average show in my opinion. I mean, let's start off with the big positive though, and that is regards to Seth Rollins and the Triple H, their situation at WrestleMania. So Seth Rollins made his first appearance on television ever since he re-injured the knee during that Samoa Joe uh, segment that took place about a month ago. And it didn't get off to a good start with him and Corey Graves. I mean, Seth Rollins looked emotional. He said that I should, I maybe I deserve this, blah, 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 all this stupid crap that he was saying. I was not buying into the stuff. It just didn't feel real. It didn't feel right. And then the moment Triple H came out, that's when I got interested because I know with Triple H there, we all know how great Triple H is, that he was going to save this segment. And he did save this segment in a big way. The stuff that he was saying to Seth Rollins was so freaking good, saying that, yes, I told everybody that you were going to be the guy. But you should know what happens, Seth, when things like this happen. You know that you're going to get backstabbed by me because I always win. Blah, blah, blah. That was some great stuff. Saying that if you come to WrestleMania, I'm going to end you. And then Seth Rollins said in the microphone, guess what, guess what, Hunter? I'm going to be at WrestleMania. And when I get there, it's going to be the end for you. And that pumped me up because basically Seth Rollins just said that he is good to go. And that he's going to wrestle at WrestleMania. And that's great to hear because when you look at this rumored card for WrestleMania, it does not look like a great card to me. The only match that I am very invested in is this Seth Rollins Triple H match because there's a history there, there's a good story being told, and I just think that in the ring, these two guys could deliver a very good match. I am concerned though with Seth Rollins' health. How is he going to fare in this match? Is he going to be the same? old self or is he going to take it back a little bit is his offense going to be limited because of the injury is he going to take no risk i'm not so sure but with the storyline that is going on right now no doubt about it, this seth ross triple h match may be the most intriguing match of them all at wrestlemania so that's great to hear that seth ross is going to be wrestling at wrestlemania some other stuff that i did like on the show uh there was not a lot uh, the Kevin Owens Goldberg talking segment was good, but again, you know, just sitting there. I mean, Owens was great in the microphone. Goldberg was Goldberg, but just sitting there, I was like, it's just a damn shame that this Sunday we're going to see a title change. It really is a damn shame that Kevin Owens, who yes has not had the greatest title run, you know, and that's not on him. It's on the booking. It's on the creative team. But still, it's a damn shame that this guy, who's one of the most talented performers that you have on the main roster isn't going to walk into WrestleMania as the champion. He's going to be the, he's going to be dropping the freaking belt to a 50-year-old part-timer in Goldberg so that it can have a Goldberg Brock Lesnar match for the World Championship. Now I get it people. Goldberg is a bigger draw than Kevin Owens because of his name, because of what his impact was back in the wrestling world in the 90s. I get that. 
But forget about that. Kevin Owens right now is the future of your company. He's the present of your company. He's not the past. Goldberg is the past. And Vince McMahon has to understand that he has to move on from the past. I get it. He wants to make the most money he can make at WrestleMania. And a Goldberg-Brock Lesnar from some stupid reason is going to make a lot of money because fans have this interest in both guys. Which is absurd because both guys have no business in being facing each other once again and facing each other for the world championship all right that belongs to a full-timer a guy that is there 300 days a year working his ass off that spot does not belong to two part-timers that make only a couple of appearances every year usually when it comes down to shows like SummerSlam, survivor series royal rumble the big shows but they're not there every single day like Kevin Owens. So that is frustrating to me. And it's a damn shame that we're going to be seeing a tile change this Sunday. We're going to give our predictions a little bit later in the show. Um, the uh, seeing Samoa Joe versus Cesaro was great to see. Um, you know, These are two guys that know each other very well back in their Ring of Honor days. And I definitely think hopefully one day... We get to see a Samoa Joe Cesaro feud. We may never see that because for some stupid reason, Vince McMahon just forbids uh, pushing Cesaro. It's absurd. This guy is so much better than in the position he's in right now. Uh, the Sami Zayn brawl after was very, very good. I'm looking forward to seeing their match on Sunday. And then finally, the big, the Braun Strowman Roman Reigns stuff. I gotta admit, it was very, very good stuff, man. The contract signing was was a little bit different. You, you didn't, you, you wouldn't expect to see. A contract sign go down between those two big guys. The brawl that they had was very, very good. The spots that went down were very, very good. Especially the last spot where uh, Braun Strowman basically threw uh, Roman Reigns into the turnbuckle. And the turnbuckle exploded. That was pretty cool to see. And I'm very intrigued with the Strowman-Roman Reigns match. But let's be honest, people. WWE has to book this match the right way. I personally think you can't have Braun Strowman lose this match clean. I'm expecting Roman Reigns to win, but it better be because of a Braun Strowman disqualification. If Braun loses this match clean, that's not a good sight. Yes, I know it's to Roman Reigns. I get that. But still, you're doing something good here with Braun Strowman. You're booking this guy the right way. He's being booked like a dominant machine, an unstoppable monster. You can't have this guy going into WrestleMania... Lose a big match like this cleanly, all right? Like I said, I'm not expecting Braun to beat Roman. I'm expecting Roman to win, but it has to be the right way. It can't be Roman Reigns beating this guy clean. It makes no freaking sense. But overall for Monday Night Raw, other than the Triple H, Seth Rollins segment and the main event segment, it was once again an average show in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, nothing new. Raw average as usual. Nothing really all that special. Uh, I mean, you know, a couple of good things, like you mentioned. I mean, uh, you know, Seth Rollins, Triple H stuff. That was pretty good. Again, love the build to this. Again, it sucks that Seth Rollins is injured and going to be off the TV for some time. I mean, it was good to see him on Raw this past week. And again, uh, you know, you get hyped for this match because you know that Seth Rollins is going to be wrestling. I mean, they wouldn't be putting so much effort into this if he wasn't. He did mention he will be at WrestleMania, but they never actually said he would be wrestling. They never actually, you know, said that this match was going to happen. They just said he would be at WrestleMania. So, but to me, this seems like Seth is good to go because, again, they wouldn't be wasting their time if he wasn't. You wouldn't be seeing Seth on TV if he wasn't. They would have announced a long time ago, right when Seth got injured, that he was out. They would, you know, had new plans for Triple H, and that was that. But they didn't, which makes me think this match is still on, and it's great to see because, like you said, 
with uh, with this card being the way it looks like it's going to be, this is one of the most highly anticipated matches that I think a lot of people are looking forward to the most. So thank God for that. Um, Samoa Joe, Cesaro, that was great to see those two guys in the ring together. Of course, I mean, they had their days in Ring of Honor. They know each other uh, quite well, so that was a good match. Of course, Samoa Joe gets the win and kind of, you know, uh, him and Sami Zayn going at it to hype up their match a little bit this Sunday, which I'm very, very excited for. Uh, the main event segment was was pretty good, too. I mean, I like how it wasn't a typical contract signing. You can't really have a typical contract signing, face-to-face, -face, talking, without it getting physical right off the bat. I mean, you know, we're talking about Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman here. So I'm glad it wasn't the typical, you know, contract signing that we're used to seeing. It was more of a beatdown right off the bat. You know, Braun Strowman disrespecting Mick Foley. Out comes Roman Reigns. Did they go at it a little bit? You know, Braun Strowman gets the last laugh by throwing Reigns into the turnbuckle, which makes it come off. Very, very cool spot there. Uh, then Reigns gets up and signs the contract. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit excited about this match. I mean, I think it'll be good. Um, but, again, like you said, it's all about how they book it. And, you know, we'll get into our predictions later. I don't think either of these guys are winning this match. Uh, you know, I, I just I have a little theory on what I think is going to go down. I mean, uh, you know, the opening segment again, too. Kevin Owens, great promo right off the bat. But like you said, Brian, it's tough to really watch him and Goldberg interact when you know that Goldberg's going to win this belt. I mean, it, it just it's so obvious. You, you can't sit here and tell me he's not at this point. There is not a chance Goldberg does not walk out with this title. So it kind of takes a little bit of steam out of it for me, watching these two guys go at it during their promo battle and just thinking the whole entire time, this is such a waste. This is such a shame because I know that Kevin Owens has no chance to win on Sunday. So, I mean, yeah, that was basically raw for you in a nutshell. Nothing really important happened for the rest of it. You had two cruiserweight matches. You had a, a small women's segment. You, of course, you had some crap with the New Day and Rusev and all that. But again, like you said, Brian, another average raw at best. Yeah, and going back to those stuff, the things, the other stuff that happened on Raw, the women's tag team match was okay, but I mean, not enough hype in this match between Bailey and Charlotte, and for the same reasons with Goldberg and Owens, I know what's going to happen in this match between Charlotte and Bailey. It's quite obvious that Charlotte is going to win this belt back, and she's become now what a six-time women's champion in the past year. It's absurd. It's just a stupid booking decision that they want to continue to go with this undefeated pay-per-view streak. I'm not a fan of it. Sasha versus Nia Jax, I'm not a fan of either. We saw this already. There's no need for another match. Uh, not doing anything favors for Sasha Banks. She's, gonna, she's probably going to get uh, pummeled again by Nia Jax. So, not a fan of that. Um, the tag team match between Mahal and Rusev versus The New Day. Another pointless, stupid segment. I mean, neither... Neither act is moving anywhere. You know, the New Day have zero direction. Rusev and Mahal have zero direction. It was just a match wasted for some time. Basically, they were used to fill up some time. There is no direction for the New Day, which is a shame because these guys are the longest-reigning tag team champions in your company's history. You have to have something moving for the new day but nothing's going on rusev and mahal i said it before on the show ever since rusev lost that belt he has dropped down immediately all the way down to the crap to, to the shitter um because again you know with rusev the guy doesn't get booked the right way when he's not a champion basically you know they need to give this guy something it's not working out with him and mahal Hopefully they can figure something out with Rusev because, like I said, this guy's a good talent. They got to find a way to utilize Rusev the the best way possible, and they're just not doing that. In order for him to get a good push, he has to be holding a championship, and that's just not the best thing to do. 
even if this guy loses the belt, you got to find something for Rusev to work with. And they just got nothing. With him and Mahal, it's never worked out. It's just been a stupid story. So we'll see what happens with those guys. Um, the tag team situation between Gals and Anderson and, and Enzo and Cass. I mean, it should be a good match this Sunday. But again, not enough hype into this. It's not been good storytelling. I mean, heck, I mean, Anderson and Gals have been focusing more on Roman Reigns more than Enzo and Cass. So that, that just tells you what this story is turning out to be. The Cruiserweight stuff was okay, but nothing special. In terms of Neville versus Gallagher, I'm not that really interested because I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan. I like Jack Gallagher. But he's just not a believable opponent for me for Neville's championship. I think he's just too goofy. He's too cartoonish. You can't be that. In this day and age, you just can't be that. It would work back in the mid-90s when WWE was rolling into this cartoonish type storylines. It's not going to work today. I think Gallagher is very talented. He's very entertaining. But I just think he's too much of a goofball to be considered a legitimate contender for Neville's championship. It should be a good match this Sunday no matter what. But I'm not that interested because I just think Gallagher doesn't take himself so seriously. I don't take Gallagher too seriously because he is more of a comedy act than a legitimate contender for that championship. But again, overall with Raw, nothing special. I mean, if you're Raw, you have to be a little bit disappointed because, again, you know, this is your go-home show. You want this show to be good so you can make fans excited about what's going to happen at Fastlane. And to me, other than... Um, the Braun Roman stuff and the uh, Sami Zayn Joe stuff, nothing else. They did nothing else in the show to get me pumped up for Fastlane. You know, the women's segment, the, the women's match, I'm not pumped up for. Goldberg and Kevin Owens, let's be honest, I'm not pumped up because, like you said, Ryan, it's obvious that Goldberg's going to win that belt Sunday. Anderson Gals versus Enzo and Cass, I'm not pumped up for because they didn't put enough effort into this story. The Cruiserweight match, I'm not pumped up for because, again, I'm not a fan of Gallagher as a legitimate contender. He's more of a goofball than me. Uh, Sasha's Nia Jax, don't even get me started. So, again, you know, this was your go-home show. you got to put more focus in on hyping up this show Sunday. And in my honest opinion, I don't think Raw did it to the best of their ability. That's why it was yet another average show from Monday Night Raw. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, nowadays, you know, I mean, SmackDown's done a good job on the go-home shows, but Raw hasn't been good on the go-home show in a very long time. I can't remember the last go-home show that I actually thought was very, very good. I mean, you know, nowadays, they don't really need to put so much effort into it because it's just, you know, obviously everybody has the network. I mean, if you don't have the network, I mean, I just don't know what else to say at this point, but mostly everybody has the network. So it's not like, you know, you have to really convince people to buy a $50 pay-per-view like you used to be able to have to do. Uh, you know, nowadays people are going to watch no matter what. And if people don't watch live, they're going to watch on demand. And if they don't watch at all, well, again, they just don't care, I guess. But people are going to watch regardless. So they don't need to put that extra oomph into it, if you know what I mean. You know, they don't have to do something over-the-top special to get you so hyped up for, you know, the pay-per-view. Because, again, it just comes with your subscription. You pay $9.99, you get a whole bunch of crap. Again, this is just an, something that's there. It's not, you know, like you're paying for this specific event individually. You're paying for a whole thing here. It's a whole package, basically. So I think that's why, too, the, the go-home shows have been very, very lackluster as of late. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, I don't think this card is too bad. I mean... 
for a, a pay-per-view right before WrestleMania where you really shouldn't expect much anyways. I actually don't think it's all that bad. I'm looking forward to a couple of matches, uh, specifically Samoa Joe and Sami Zayn. I'm looking forward to Enzo and Cass against Gallows and Anderson. They always put on a good showing. Uh, you know, of course, we have Bailey, Charlotte again. Uh, Neville and... Jack Gallagher is going to be a lot of fun, too. Like you said, I, I don't think Jack Gallagher, Gallagher is a believable uh, you know, guy to take the belt from Neville. I mean, of course, I don't think anybody believes that Neville's dropping his belt. But he is probably one of the most entertaining cruiserweights that they have. Uh, I know Vince probably loves the guy. I mean, he was in the Royal Rumble, the only one to be in the Royal Rumble. They're pushing this guy tremendously. You could tell that Vince loves this guy. And you know what? I don't blame him because, like I said, he's got that entertainment value to him. He's a very, very good wrestler. I mean, he is, you know... He's, he's good. He's probably one of the best, like I said. So I'm looking forward to that match on Sunday. But like you said, he's just not believable to beat Neville for this belt at all. So like I said, again, I do think this is a good card. Uh, again, not surprised the go-home show wasn't good. But like I just said, I think it has to do with the WWE Network and not having to convince people to actually buy a $50 pay-per-view like you used to have to do back in the day. Yeah, that is a very good point with the with the WWE Network. So uh, let's move on now to SmackDown. Uh, SmackDown, I thought was a good show this week again. Uh, just ongoing consistency with how they write their show. Let's get into the big stuff that happened in the main event with uh, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. So we did see the eventual Randy Orton turn on Bray Wyatt. Uh, we've been expecting this for a little bit now because we've heard the rumors about you know with Randy winning the Royal Rumble, Bray Wyatt winning the championship at Elimination Chamber. It was destined for this to happen, but the way they did it, Ryan, was very, very intriguing and a little bit confusing. It was intriguing because you know you had this you know this different feel. It wasn't like Randy turned on Bray with a simple RKO in the middle of the ring. No, Randy Orton was at the Wyatt compound talking about Sister Abigail and all this other stuff. That I'm here now to take over you. I'm the leader, you're the servant, and then he burns down the, the wide compound. That was something that we've not seen in a very long time. That was some good stuff by WWE, but it's confusing because when you watch the segment, Ryan, it felt more like Bray Wyatt was the face in this and Randy was the heel. All right, because right now, yeah, Bray Wyatt's a heel, Randy's a heel too. And when you hear that Randy's going to turn on Bray, you would think that Randy would be the face and Bray would be the heel. I don't think that's the case in this story right now because when you watch this segment go down and you see Randy burn down the wide compound, you see Bray reacting the way he was reacting, you kind of felt bad for Bray. You know, he was upset. He looked like he was crying. He was pissed off the way Randy was talking. It felt more like this was Randy as a heel and, and Bray's going to be the face in this. And that's very intriguing because, you know, Bray Wyatt has never been a face before. He's always been a heel. We all know how great of a heel Randy could be, but we've never seen how good of a face Bray could be. Now, I think Bray could kill it as a face. He's very talented, but this is something that we've never seen before when it comes to Bray Wyatt and his character, that he is the good guy, not the bad guy. But it was very good stuff. I liked what happened during the segment. Um, again, it was very different. It was confusing, but... It was overall awesome, you know, because we've never seen that before on WWE television in a very long time. You know, that was stuff that happened back in the 90s with The Undertaker and Kane when they burned something down. Whether it was something in a graveyard or something else, a house was burnt down. We have not seen that in for a long time, so that was pretty cool to see. 
The other confusing part, though, is where they're going with this current story when it comes to both AJ Styles and Luke Harper, especially Luke Harper, uh, because, of course, they had their match to determine the number one contender. No shocker there. Uh, AJ won the match both times, all right? He beat Luke Harper the first time with the uh, the uh, phenomenal forearm. I know Luke Harper's foot was on the bottom rope, but still, AJ got the pinfall victory. Shane McMahon comes out, restarts the match. No shocker there. Again, more build up to AJ versus Shane. But then the second time, AJ beats Luke again, this time with a 450 splash. And when I sat there and I saw AJ win and nothing else happened, I go, okay, what the heck is going on here? I, I, I don't get it. What, what the hell is going on? And what does this do for Luke Harper? I mean, look, because I, I know a lot of people are not really interested in seeing Luke Harper involved in the world title match. But let's be honest, people. This is a big storyline going on with the Wyatt family. And Luke Harper plays a big part in this story. It doesn't really make that much sense to keep Luke Harper out of this match at WrestleMania. I think it makes more sense to have Luke involved because he has a, he has such a big part in this storyline that it would be criminal to not in, to not even have Luke involved. I think you need to have Luke involved in this whole storyline. He is, but with him losing that match, now people are like, what's next for Luke Harper? What's he going to do next? He lost cleanly to AJ Styles. Now, in terms of AJ Styles in this situation, I'm not convinced that he's going to be involved in this match. No, you cannot convince me that he's going to be involved in this match with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. I'm telling you right now, and probably next week or two weeks from now, because we still have a lot of time left, people, with this buildup. We still have a lot of time for the buildup to this match. I think we're going to get AJ Styles versus Randy Orton. Whoever wins that match will be the true number one contender. Because guess what? Both guys are number one contenders. Even though Randy gave away his spot, he still won the Royal Rumble match. So he's still the rightful number one contender, even though AJ is the number one contender. And people think it's going to be a triple threat match. No, 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 no. I don't think that's going to be the case because of all these rumors about Shane versus AJ Styles. So what I see happening is this. Next week or two weeks from now, Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan are both going to announce that we're going to have AJ Styles versus Randy Orton one-on-one. -on -one. The winner will become the true number one contender for the championship against Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Randy's going to win that match cleanly. AJ is going to have a is going to flip out. He's going to have a bitch fit. He's going to go to Shane McMahon saying that this is all your fault. I should be the number one contender. Blah, 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 blah. Something happens. We get Shane versus AJ. That's what's going to happen, people. I just see it like that. All right. I, I don't see AJ involved in this match. In terms of the storyline purposes, it doesn't make sense for him to get involved in this wide storyline. Even though, yes, I would love to see Randy, AJ, and Bray for the championship. That would be freaking awesome. But in terms of the current storyline going on with the Wyatts and Luke Harper, it doesn't make that much sense to add AJ involved. All right? It doesn't. Even though it sucks, it doesn't make sense for him to get involved. And I know it's a damn shame with Shane versus AJ going to happen at WrestleMania. People don't want to see it happen. But guess what, people? It's going to happen. You can see it. The writing is on the wall. Every single week, we're having AJ get in the face of Daniel Bryan, get in the face of Shane McMahon, get in the face of management, period. We know that this match is going to happen. 
And I think the way they're going to set it up is what I just said before. Randy versus AJ for the number one contendership. Winner of the match will get Bray Wyatt. Probably going to be Randy Orton. AJ after the match is going to flip out. He's going to get right into Shane's face saying that this is your fault. Something's going to happen, whether it's AJ attacking Shane or something, whatever the hell happens, that's going to be the setup to Shane versus AJ. It's unfortunate that AJ's in this position, but that's the harsh reality. That's what's going to happen with this situation. But like I said before, the main event stuff was pretty cool. That whole thing with Randy burning down the Y compound was sick. Now we have to wait and see on what's going to happen. And if I'm a betting man, what I said before with Randy versus AJ... Randy winning, AJ goes against Shane, Randy versus Bray, maybe Luke's involved. I'm banking on that, that that's going to happen within the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a very interesting SmackDown. And let me start off by saying the ending was awesome. I mean, if you did not enjoy that ending, I guess WWE just isn't, isn't for you nowadays. Because that was awesome. Just absolutely awesome. I mean, like you said, Brian, we have not seen something like that in a very, very long time. And this is probably the best work Randy Orton has done in years, literally. I mean, that was such a good, well-produced last segment. It left me speechless. And you know what? That told me that this championship match at WrestleMania is going to be Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt straight up one-on-one. There is the story. It's right in place right there. I mean, at one point, you thought Luke Harper was going to get involved. Honestly, he doesn't even fit in at this point. I, I, know, I know it would make sense because he, he was involved in stuff. But at this point, this just seems like it's all about Randy and Bray now at this point. Randy, you know, burning down the Wyatt compound. They're bringing Sister Abigail into this now. Luke Harper really doesn't fit in right now. He really doesn't. And again, it's kind of weird because WWE made it seem like they had big plans for this guy by having him involved, having him in the number one contendership spot. So what are you just going to do? Forget about him at this point? It's going to be very, very tough to do. But at this point, it just seems like it's all about Randy and Bray. And I don't really know how you incorporate Luke Harper into the match now, Uh, especially after AJ Styles beats him uh, Well, once. But again, his foot was on the rope, so they restarted the match. And then again, you know, he beats him cleanly. AJ Styles won clean. Uh, I think Luke Harper was the one that actually kicked Shane McMahon on the outside of the ring. And then AJ hit the phenomenal forearm. And that was it. The match was over. And it makes a ton of sense if they're going with Shane and AJ, which at this point you got to believe that they are. You could see it. You could see the writing on the wall, like you said, Brian. The interactions between these two on SmackDown, on Talking Smack. This match is going to go down whether people like it or not. Uh, like you said, you can't convince me AJ Styles is in this match. That absolutely doesn't make sense. Again, I'm just talking about how Luke Harper really doesn't get, uh, you know, really fit into this match. If he doesn't fit in, in this match, AJ Styles definitely don't fit in this match either. So, again, we're getting Shane and AJ, whether people like it or not. Again, you either watch or you don't watch. Again, maybe it could surprise people. Who knows? Obviously, it's not the, the choice that everybody would pick for AJ at WrestleMania. But you know what? It is what it is. And, you know... If you enjoy AJ Styles, just try to enjoy it for what it is. Uh, So I think that is where they're going. But, Brian, I don't like how this storyline is playing out because it's just so lame that Randy Orton turned down his spot, you know, to compete against Bray Wyatt for the title. Then all of a sudden, he just decides he wants back in. All of a sudden. And you knew this was going to happen. But now if Shane McMahon or Daniel Bryan put this match together, AJ Styles versus Randy Orton for the true number one contendership spot, 
that just to me is so lame because Randy Orton has that spot. Whether he turned it down or not, he won the Royal Rumble. He, hypothetically, should be saying to them, no, I'm not competing in no number one contendership spot. I have my number one contendership spot. I am going to face Bray Wyatt, and AJ should say the same. No, I already won fair and square. You know, again, I should have won the Battle Royal. I didn't, but here, I won your number one contendership spot. Why do I have to compete again? It's just, you know, thinking realistically, it makes no sense, and it's so freaking lame. But you're right, Brian. That's probably how it's going to go down, and that's Shane's way of screwing AJ out of the title match, and then there you go. That sets up the match. Where Luke Harper fits into this, that is the biggest question of them all. But again, we're confused coming out of SmackDown this week, but I think that's a good thing because, again, WWE is too predictable nowadays. Here is something that's not predictable. We're asking ourselves questions. We're talking about it. This is how they get us to watch and tune in week after week. And like you said, a bunch of weeks still left to go to WrestleMania. I'm intrigued, and I can't wait for next week. Yeah, and it's intriguing, and again, it leaves us asking questions, and you know, it, it is confusing. It's a good thing, and it's a bad thing because you know you don't know what's going on. That that is a good thing, but in the very end, if you're a diehard wrestling fan, you just want things to work out. That that makes sense, you know. You want things working out that makes sense, you know. Hopefully, this does make sense. But again, you know, the writing's on the wall. AJ Styles, if you think he's going to be in this match at WrestleMania for the World Championship, you're out of your freaking mind. You're just an AJ supporter. You want this guy to be in the championship match. It's not happening, people. Just face the harsh reality that we have to see at WrestleMania AJ versus Shane. I'm not happy about it. I'm not sitting here saying, no, you should be happy we're getting Shane versus AJ. No, I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's bullshit that AJ's in that position after the year that he had, that he has to face Shane freaking McMahon at WrestleMania. But you can see it on television, people. It's right there. They're playing this out perfectly to set up Shane versus AJ. It's going to happen. Whether we like it or not, it's going to happen. And I said it before. How they're going to set it up is going to be that way. Randy versus AJ. The winner becomes the true number one contender. Randy's going to beat AJ Styles. It's going to leave AJ pissed off, looking for Shane, gets in Shane's face. I'm not sure if he'll hit Shane, do something. But something's going to happen that that's going to set up their match at WrestleMania. It's sad to hear about that. It's going to be sad to see, but that is the harsh reality. All this stuff that happened on SmackDown, uh, let's talk about the first segment of the show. And that was the Miz Cena stuff. Of course, uh, Miz had his Miz TV show. His guest was John Cena. Uh, we all know that at WrestleMania, we're going to see these guys work a program. Watching their segment, man, it was so freaking good, Ryan. I mean, once again, man, if you don't respect The Miz, something's wrong with you. This guy, you may not like The Miz, but you better respect this guy. He is such a freaking good talent, man. I mean, on the microphone, The Miz kills it every single time. And so does John Cena. You know, The Miz killed John Cena in that segment. But John Cena killed Miz even more. I mean, the stuff that Cena was saying to Miz was like, holy crap, man. It felt real. And that's why the Miz and Cena's promos are so freaking good is because they feel real. They do it on the top of their head. They don't read scripts. They say it from their head. And that's why I have so much respect for both Cena and the Miz. All right, They don't read scripts because you can tell the difference between a shoot and a script. You know, guys like Roman Reigns, guys like Sami Zayn, you can tell from what they're saying by the tone of their voice that they're reading off something from a script. 
that they memorize the script and they're saying it. With Miz and Cena, they just go full out. They don't care. They're just gonna say whatever they they're gonna say whatever they're gonna say. Whatever comes into their mind, that's what they're gonna say. And that's why the Miz and Cena are two of the best talents in wrestling because they have that talent. To go out there and say whatever's on their mind, and they kill it. Whether it's their voice, their tone, their you know their passion, the stuff they say, they are so freaking talented, man. And looking at, and with the proper build, the the proper story, I think another Miss Cena program would be freaking awesome. I really believe that they have great chemistry together, both in the ring on the microphone. But I said this, I said this to Ryan on Tuesday, man. With the wife and girlfriend involved, I just not a fan of it. I'm really not. I personally rather see Miz and Cena by themselves. Now I'm not saying the wives should not get involved. They should, but in the match, nah, it's not that interesting to me anymore. It's just not interesting to me. Now I'm not gonna sit here and bash Nikki Bella and Maurice. They're good talents. They really are. But just something about them in the match with Cena and the Miz. I'm just not a fan of it. I'd rather see Cena versus Miz with Maurice by Miz's side, Nikki Bella by Cena's side. I know it's not going to have Nikki wrestle, but still, I just think that that would be better off. Just have Cena and Miz settle their differences, not Maurice and the not Maurice and Nikki Bella. Because look, they're only brought into this because the husband and, and the boyfriend are facing each other, right? There's no personal vendetta between. Maurice and Nikki Bella. They were just brought into this because Cena and The Miz have a personal history. Let them settle it. Because I think with Nikki Bella and Maurice in the match, they're going to water down. They're going to limit the action between Cena and The Miz. Because that's what that's what the focus should be on. It should be on Cena and The Miz strictly. The wife and the girlfriend. Yes, they could be involved, but not in the match. They can get They can get involved in the match, but in some different way where they're not doing moves on each other, don't want to see that happen, all right? Now, yes, the f- people are all pumped up for this match because of that segment. It was really good. Nikki Bella coming out, calling Marisa bitch, going after her. That was good stuff. I do agree with you. That was good stuff. But in my per- in my viewpoint, my personal opinion, their involvement within the match, I'm not a fan of. I'd rather see Cena versus Miz one-on-one to settle the score because there is a history between these two guys. Heck, they wrestled each other before at WrestleMania. Back at WrestleMania 27, in the main event, they wrestled each other. It wasn't a great match, but back then, The Miz was not what he is today. The Miz is a much better performer than what he was back then. He was okay back then. In this day and age, The Miz, in my opinion, is one of the best. All right, He is that good. He's good in the ring. He's safe in the ring. He's a safe worker, but it's his charisma. It's his microphone skills. It's the way he presents himself that makes him so freaking talented. And like I said before, with the proper buildup, the proper storyline in place, I think another scene Miz program would be awesome for WrestleMania. But for some odd reason, I'm just not a fan of it. It doesn't interest you interest me as much with both Nikki Bella and Maurice involved because there is no personal history between those two women on television. There is not. They're just brought into the storyline because the Miz and Cena brought them into this because of course Maurice is Miz's wife. Um you know Nikki Bella is John Cena's girlfriend. I get that. But between those two there is no personal history between those two girls. They just brought—they were brought into the storyline because their husband slash boyfriend despise each other. 
and I just I'm just not interested in it. That's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm going crazy that I'm not interested in this match. I'm interested in the storyline, yes, but for the match itself at WrestleMania, I'm just not going to be a fan of it because I just think personally, it's a match that should be settled between just Cena and The Miz. The girlfriends could get involved, but not in the match. Outside, going after each other doesn't matter. I'd rather see just have Cena versus Miz by themselves without the wives getting involved in the match physically. That's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I feel. But I got to say, though, Ryan, that segment on SmackDown, the back and forth talking between The Miz and Cena was so good. It once again proves that Cena and The Miz might be the two best microphone workers in WWE today. Now, some will say, of course, Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho, of course. Seth Rollins is very solid on the microphone. But, man, when you see Cena and Miz on the microphone, you know that they're not reading from a script. They're saying it from the heart. They're saying it from their head. It's all shoot. There's no script. It's a shoot. And that's what makes Miz and Cena two of the best workers in WWE today. I'm looking forward to seeing more from these two guys in the next coming weeks. But like I said before, the interest level drops for me with both Maurice and Nikki Bella involved. Maybe that's me, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, hey, you know what? Everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Everybody feels a different way, and everybody wants to see certain things that they want to see. And, you know, it's not for everybody. And again, you know, WWE... You know, again, some things that they do are appealing to people, and some things that they do are not appealing to people. Uh, for me, I don't really mind the wives in it at all. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, I realize that this is WrestleMania, so they're going to get everybody on the card, and it makes a ton of sense if, you know, Nikki Bella is, you know, done after this. They want to show John Cena and her teaming up at least once on WWE television, uh, you know, before, you know, she departs or whatever. Uh, the Maurice has always been by the Miz, so... You might as well have her involved in this match. But you know what? I don't really think it's going to take too much away. I mean, you know, like we saw on SmackDown this past week, Cena and The Miz did everything, basically. I mean, they dominated the microphones. Uh, you know, Maurice had a couple of words at the end. Nikki came out, said that she's going to break her, and that was it. Like I said, I really don't think they're going to take over too much and kind of take away from Cena and The Miz. But... I mean, what a tremendous start to SmackDown. The Miz's promo was just awesome. I mean, unbelievable. Like you said, he really has broken out ever since this brand split happened. He is the best, one of the best things going in WWE today. And who knew I'd be sitting here saying that, especially after, you know, the flop that was WrestleMania 27 where The Miz, you know, defended against Cena. And then he basically went downhill after losing the WWE Championship. But he really, really has gained a lot of momentum as of late. So it's great to see him in a big spotlight like this. And getting a match with John Cena, again, the wives involved or not, that's an accomplishment for The Miz. And that's good to see him working with a guy like Cena. And again, it's good to see Cena working with a guy like The Miz, too. Uh, I mean, you know, again, Cena, we know how good he is on the microphone. Uh, you know, again, would, would I like to see his two one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But again, I'm not going to let the wives being involved ruin that for me. Uh, just because I'm really, really pumped for this match after seeing what went down. And I can't wait to see more of it. Again, you know, like you said, it's not for everybody. Some people wish Cena was in a better spot. Some people wish The Miz was in a better spot. But you know what? After watching this segment on Tuesday night, I think they did a very, very good job in trying to get you uh, invested into this match the best way that they could. Uh, again, with one segment, they sold me on this. I mean, again, that's just me. 
Um, I just don't care about, you know, Nikki and Maurice being involved. I think this is going to be good one way or another. And like I said, just an incredible start to SmackDown. I didn't want either of those two, The Miz or Cena, I didn't want any of them to get off the microphone. That's how good both of their promos were. So, again, I'm intrigued. I really am. Yeah, so that was really it for SmackDown. I mean, Dean versus the Dean Corbin had a little back and forth talking segment where Dean was looking for Corbin. Corbin was not there. They went back and forth, continued to build up their match for WrestleMania. Um, you know, Becky Lynch beat Mickey James in a two out of three falls match. Uh, where are they going to go from here? I'm not so sure. Alexa Bliss may have a new challenger now. Natalia, what does that mean? We'll see what happens with that women's segment. Maybe it's a Phil Foy match at WrestleMania, like what Raw is doing. They may have a, their own on SmackDown, but minus the um, you know those segments, everything else was very very good. You know, seeing seeing the Miz had a great talking segment, great stuff there. Uh, Harper and AJ had a good match despite the screwy finishes. It was a good match, uh, and of course the main event segment between uh, Randy and Bray was really really good stuff. In terms of NXT. Uh, this past Wednesday's episode was very solid, I thought, again, for NXT. Um, starting off with the main event match between DIY and the Authors of Pain. Very, very good match yet again. I mean, you know, these two teams have good chemistry together. They delivered another solid match. The Revival's involvement is no shock one bit. You can just tell that we're going to get a triple threat tag team match with the tag team tiles that take over Orlando. Personally, that makes the most sense. If these two, if these three teams are still in NXT, you might as well have them in the same match gunning for those championships. And it should be a good match. You know, we've read the rumor already that take over Orlando, we're getting a triple threat elimination match. For those belts, Revival, DIY, Authors of Pain, should be a good match. I mean, first of all, I mean, to see the Revival hit the Shatter Machine on Occam was insane. You know, the Revival every single week, they just becoming one of my favorite tag teams. Right behind the Young Bucks, there's no tag team that I like more than the Revival because they're so freaking talented. They really are. If you watch Dawson and, and, and Dash, they don't do enough in the ring that says wow. You know, like the Young Bucks have that wow factor. Uh, Red Dragon has that wow factor. War Machine has that wow factor. The Revival doesn't really have that, but they play their gimmicks perfectly. They are an old-school heel tag team. Guys that are in there to hurt you. Guys that are just trying to find ways to win. They play their roles perfectly. And that's why I like these two, because they have great chemistry, they have good characters, and they just have good tag team psychology. They're very, very fun to watch. Even though they don't do a lot... In terms of what the Young Bucks do, they're still a fun tag team to watch. DIY, again, Gargano and Ciampa are just a fun tag team to watch as well. Alders of Pain, they're just a good tag team as well. I, I like what they're doing. They're, they're big, mean dudes. Um, they still have a lot of work to do, though. They're still raw. But you can tell that the upside is gr really, really high for these two guys. So I'm looking forward to seeing this match happen to take over Orlando. We also had the women's title match between uh, Oscar and um, Peyton Royce. Nothing really special. I mean, I wasn't expecting anything special. It was okay. I thought Royce did a solid job in that match. But, of course, no shocker. Oscar won the match. After the match was over, Royce and Kay come in. They're beating her down. Here comes Ember Moon to get involved. She helps out Oscar, And then we had the stare-off between Ember and Oscar. And now, finally, we can just move on from the rest of the women's division and strictly focus on Asuka and Ember Moon. This was a match that we've been talking about for months, that it has to happen to take over Orlando. 
and it's going to happen at TakeOver Orlando. And now just come down, it comes down to how NXT, their writing staff, is going to book this match. Because I do think they have to book this match the right way. They have to book, they have to book the setup the right way. They got to book the build up and book the match the right way. And I think, you know, of course, Ember versus Asuka, they are the two best women's performers on that roster, period. All right. In NXT, nobody is as good as both those two girls. They separate themselves from the pack from fly, with flying colors, plain and simple. And I'm looking forward to seeing their encounter at TakeOver Orlando. But if you're NXT, you have to do your part in hyping up this match. All right? I know people are excited about it no matter what. Even if the hype is already poor, they are excited for this match. But still, if you're NXT, you want to hype this match up to the best of your ability. I think they will. I think Asuka and Ember Moon are going to deliver some good stuff on the microphone. Whether it's interviews, promos against each other, some other stuff. It should be good. They should not touch each other. No way. Let them touch each other at TakeOver Orlando. There should be no brawls between these two girls. Let them face each other at TakeOver Orlando first without any touching at all. So... That was good stuff there. Patrick Clark versus Sean Maluda was just nothing to me. I mean, Patrick Clark, this whole gimmick of him being another Jimi Hendrix or Prince is just not working for me. Some people like it. I'm not sure why you like it. It's confusing. It's odd. It's bizarre. I don't even know what to call Patrick Clark. I mean, he's a good athlete. He's got a good look. But this whole gimmick thing is just so confusing. Uh, Sean Maluda is a good talent, but he's got no role right now in NXT. Uh, and then we've got the announcement as well that two weeks from now, we're going to get Cassius Ono versus Bobby Roode for the NXT Championship. I mean, that should be a good match, but we already read the rumor about what happens in that match. Not a fan of it. And we, we all know that we're probably going to get Bobby Roode versus uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, who does make his return next week on television. Should be interesting to see. But Cassius Ono, what is his role going to be at TakeOver Orlando? You can't keep this guy off the card. He's that damn talented. He's that too, he's too big. You got to get him involved in the show. He's there. People know him. He's a big name on the wrestling scene. You cannot have this guy not get involved on the show. So I'm curious to see where they go with Cassius Ono after this title match with Bobby Roode. What is he going to do next? But overall for this week, the main event segment was very good. The women's self was solid. Patrick Clark, I got no comment for him. And the news about Ono versus Root in two weeks should be very, very fun. I'm not going to like the outcome, but still, should be a fun match. And after that match is over, the question will be, what is next for Cassius Ono heading into TakeOver Orlando? But overall, NXT delivered what I thought was a very solid show. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought, uh, you know, it was pretty good. Uh, a couple of good things as we, you know, head into, you know, take over Orlando, obviously. We know already what the card is, you know, mainly going to look like based on the spoilers for the next coming weeks. But it was good to see the revival get involved, uh, you know, taking out uh, the Authors of Pain there, uh, you know, at the end of that match. You know, we all know it's a triple threat that's coming, uh, you know, a triple threat elimination match to take over Orlando. So it's nice to see all three of those guys. Uh, all three of those teams involved. Uh, it was a good match, too, between DIY and uh, the Office of Pain. Uh, the women's stuff was was actually surprisingly pretty good. I mean, it wasn't all that bad. I expected a absolute disaster, uh, you know, with uh, Peyton Royce versus Asuka. But, again, it really wasn't that terrible. I mean, we all know how Peyton Royce is in the ring. 
I mean, to me, she put on a decent showing against Asuka. I mean, probably the best that she could do, to be honest. Uh, you know, nobody should have really expected anything more from her. Obviously, the title didn't change hands, but after the match is what everybody is going to be hyped about, and that was the stare down between Ember Moon and Asuka with Asuka holding up the belt. That visual of those two just staring at each other and Ember Moon with those red contacts. I mean, oh, man, am I pumped for that match at TakeOver Orlando. This is what... We have literally been waiting for it for months. This is the top women's match that they could possibly do in NXT, given the, the women's division the way it is nowadays. This is the best that they could possibly do, and I can't wait for it. I mean, what better stage than uh, you know the TakeOver event the night before WrestleMania? That is going to be a good one for sure. And then, yeah, I mean, like, like you said, the Patrick Clark stuff is really, really stupid. I always thought he was a, a, you know, he's a decent talent compared to all the other tough enough contestants that we saw over the summer. Uh, but again... He just his gimmick is stupid, and, and where is he really gonna go realistically? Who wants to see Patrick Clark succeed in WWE? I, I mean, it, it's sad to say, it really is because you should never wish failure on anybody. But again, there's just some guys that you want to see pushed, and other guys that just don't, you know, gauge your interest. And he is one of the guys that just you know you watch him, and it's just like, yeah, there's nothing special about this guy. I don't really see the hype in him. He's just going to go nowhere, and, and he's that guy. So I don't really know why they're wasting their time on him, to be honest. But, uh, again, I don't really expect much from that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that was a, that was basically NXT for you. And like you said, Brian, they got to find a way to get Cassius Ono on TakeOver Orlando, though, because I'm just I'm still confused about what the main event's going to be. And I'm still waiting for the main event to get announced because you would think by now we would have, you know, an idea. And I think maybe a couple of people do have a little bit of ideas. But again, I just want it to be official already so we know. And I don't know when that's going to go down because, like you mentioned, like we mentioned it last week on the show, they didn't announce it at the takeover. I mean, that's tapings for the next couple of weeks. So unless they announced it on Twitter or something. But again, I don't know how they build towards that on NXT television. So really weird things happening. But again, we're just going to have to keep watching week after week and see what happens. But overall, like you said, I enjoyed NXT this past week as well. Now let's move on now to the UFC before we get into our predictions for Fastlane. Um, some big news first off in the UFC in terms of George St. Pierre. We talked about it last week that GSP has signed a new contract with the UFC to come back to do some more fights. And his first fight back has been announced. And what better fight to have in your return than by having a world title fight? That's right. GSP's first fight back will be against none other than the middleweight champion, Michael Bisping. Now, some people don't like it because GSP didn't earn this opportunity. But guess what, people? You know, this is a way for Dana White to draw money. I mean, GSP is a big name in the UFC. This guy is one of the greatest fighters to ever perform in the octagon. And he was one of their biggest draws because he's that damn good. And I just think this is a matter of Dana White trying to draw a lot of viewers and a lot of money to have GSP get involved in the title match going up against Michael Bisping. Because, look, Michael Bisping's looking for some more challengers. Uh, he does have a couple of guys in mind with, you know, you have uh, Jacare Souza. Uh, there's some other guys in the middleweight division that, you know, Chris Wyman could get another opportunity soon. Luke Rockhold might get another opportunity, but, you know, GSP is just a bigger name. A guy that draws a lot more viewer, viewership, a lot more money. I think he did that strictly because of that reason, not because GSP deserves it over those other guys. Cause look, if you think about it, yeah, it doesn't make sense for it to have GSP get this shot over guys like Jacare, over guys like Chris Wyman, guys that are a part of this division for a long time. That is the part that doesn't make sense, but I get why I get why Dana did it because of money. 
because he knows a Bisping St. Pierre match for the championship is gonna ju- is gonna garner a ton of money, and that's what's all about with the UFC. They want to make the most money they can possibly make, and with this fight happening in the future, I think UFC 212 maybe. I'm not sure what the uh, actual date it is. I'm not sure what pay per view they're fighting, fighting uh, excuse me fighting each other at, but I get why he did it. Strictly because of money, not because GSP deserves it. It's because GSP versus Bisping will draw a ton of money. It may not make sense for some hardcore UFC fans because they want to see Bisping versus guys like Jacare, Root uh, Rockhold, and Chris Wyman. But I get it from Dana White's perspective because with GSP back, people are going to want to see his first fight in return. And what better first fight to have than a middleweight title fight against Michael Bisping? So I'm looking forward to it. Should be a good fight. I get both sides, but with Dana White making this decision, it was a decision that he had to make in order for his fighting company to make the most money they could possibly make on their upcoming pay-per-views. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's basically what UFC is nowadays. It's, you know, the big money fights. What can make the most money? What can sell the most? And, you know, that's basically what it is. That's all Dana White cares about. That's, you know, what he tries to put together every single time he puts together a fight. So I'm not really shocked about this whatsoever. If I'm Yoel Romero, though, who should be the next challenger to Michael Bisping, I am so, so frustrated, uh, you know, with this. I mean, GSP coming back for the first time, jumping right in there, getting a shot at that middleweight title, uh, which should have been Yoel Romero's shot. I would be very, very frustrated if I'm him, and I totally feel for him. But again, like you said, that's the business nowadays. It's all about money. It's what draws the most funny money. It's what people want to see. And people want to see GSP versus Mike Bisping probably more so than Mike Bisping and Yoel Romero. I, I mean, you know, for the hardcore, diehard UFC fans, they probably do want to see Romero Bisping. I mean, I, I know I want to see it, especially after watching what Romero did to Chris Weidman at UFC 205. I definitely want to see that fight. Um, but again, you know, if you're trying to gauge interest from, you know, people who, again, maybe some people who have lost interest in UFC over the last couple of years, but they remember GSP from back in the day. And if they know he's coming back, they're going to watch it. They're going to watch him his return fight to see if he can win the title. So that's basically what it comes down to nowadays. So again, I'm not shocked one bit that this is happening. But again, like I said, if I'm a guy like Romero, I am very, very frustrated with this because this should have been his opportunity. But you know what? If GSP wins, maybe he gets a shot at GSP next. And you know what? He can make a lot more money fighting GSP than he probably could fighting Michael Bisping. So that's got to be a positive to take out of that there. So we'll see what happens. I don't think they actually announced the date for this fight, but I'm hyped. I'm happy to see GSP back in the octagon. I'm not really a Michael Bisping fan one bit, so I hope GSP wins the belt. It's, it's definitely going to be fun to watch. I mean, who thought GSP would be returning to the UFC in 2017? I mean, I certainly didn't, so uh, it should, should, should be intriguing for sure. And the crazy part is that he's moving up a division. You know, this guy has never f- f- uh, been in, the, in a middleweight division fight. He's always been welterweight, and this is his first middleweight fight, and he's going up against the best right now in the middleweight division and Michael Bisping, so that should be a good fight. In terms of Yoel Romero, I get it. He should be frustrated because that was his spot. But if I'm Dana White, you know, I got to do what I got to do in terms of making the most money. That's what fans want to see. But for Yoel Romero's sake, if I'm Dana White, I'm giving this guy that next opportunity. After this fight is done between Bisping and George St. Pierre, whoever wins that fight, Romero should get. doesn't matter if it's St. Pierre or Bisping. Romero, no matter what, should be the next number one contender because he's earned it. He's been a lot of big names in the middleweight division. Most recently, Chris Weidman. This guy deserves the opportunity. It sucks he's not going to get it now. But if I'm, if I'm Dana White, 
it makes absolutely no sense to give this guy a chance in the future. He deserves that opportunity, especially after this fight between Bisping and St. Pierre. Now, this Saturday, though, we do have a big UFC pay-per-view event going on in Las Vegas, Nevada. UFC 209, two championship fights headline the show, and some other good fights as well. We're going to preview and predict the main card. Uh, we'll start off with some heavyweight action. Alistair Overeem versus Mark Hunt. This is Mark Hunt's first fight since Brock Lesnar. So this is going to be interesting to see what happens in this fight, how Mark Hunt's going to react after losing to Brock Lesnar. I think he's going to win this fight over Overeem because of that motivation. You know, he's frustrated after what happened with Brock Lesnar, the whole money situation, the whole Brock Lesnar suspension, blah, blah, blah. Hunt is out there for a purpose. He's out there with some motivation. Overeem's one of the best heavyweights in the world, but I think Mark Hunt has a chip on his shoulder. I think he's pissed off. He's motivated. He wants to win this fight, and I think he's going to knock out Alistair Overeem. Mark my words, Hunt beats Overeem with a knockout. So give me Mark Hunt, the Super Samoan, to knock out the Demolition Man, Alistair Overeem. Yeah, I think so, too. I think Mark Hunt, like you said, is going to come back with a vengeance after everything that happened. And there's just rumors coming out. I think yesterday I read that Mark Hunt wants Brock Lesnar in jail for, for what he did before their fight back at UFC 200. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a little bit uh, more extra motivation. I think he's pumped up. I think he's going to come back, and I think he's going to get back on the winning ways. So, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Mark Hunt as well. Like I said, just the momentum is on his side. He's fired up, and what better way to take it out on a guy like Alistair Overeem. So, yeah, I think Mark Hunt's got this. Next fight is a lightweight fight. Lando Veneta versus David Timur. Uh, I'm not familiar with either guy, so this is a toss-up pick for me. I'm just going to pick Lando Veneta. I think I've heard a little bit about him. Uh, I've heard a little bit about him. He's a young fighter, 24 years old from New Jersey, so he's right around here. Uh, so I'm not sure what to expect from this fight. This is just a toss-up pick, so give me Venata to defeat uh, Tamer. Yeah, I mean, really, I'll go with the same because I just have – I don't know much about this, so I'm not going to uh, re really sit here and predict like I know, so I'll go with the same. Uh, next fight is another middleweight fight. We have Rashad Evans, former light heavyweight champion. Rashad Evans will take on Dan Kelly. Give me Rashad Evans. I know he's getting older year by year. He's not the same fighter that he used to be. But still, this guy, you can never count out Rashad Evans. He's one of the best fighters to ever fight in the UFC. He's a former champion. He's a former top contender in the light heavyweight division. I think moving down the middleweight will be good for him because of his size. He's not the biggest guy. He had to face bigger competition in the light heavyweight division. The middleweight division, I think, will fit perfectly for him. So this should be a fun fight between him and Dan Kelly. But give me sugar Rashad Evans to pick up the win. Yeah, me too. I mean, uh, I think, you know, you know, we talked about this when we predicted the last UFC pay-per-view about how some of these guys are, you know, go going downhill. You know, their their time is up in the spotlight. You know, they, they're legends, basically, in the UFC. But lately, you know, some younger guys, some new fresh faces are taking over. But I don't think this is the case in this scenario. I think, like you said, Rashad Evans has got this. Uh, you know, he's one of the best fighters I've ever seen. So uh, I'm going to go with him to pick up a win as well this Saturday night. Yeah, me too. I, I completely agree. Uh, next fight now. Let's get into our first championship fight of the evening. This is for the interim lightweight championship. Not for the main uh, undisputed lightweight championship because Conor McGregor, even though, yes, he's focusing all of his attention on Floyd Mayweather for a boxing match, he is still the lightweight champion. So this is for the interim belt, but it's going to be a fantastic fight nonetheless. It's Tony Ferguson versus the undefeated Russian Habib Nurmagomedov. 
You can make a case, Ryan, that this kid right here, Nomagomdov, is the best fighter in the UFC, period. Simply because he's undefeated. He's 22-0. He's not 7-0. He's not 10-0. He's 22-0. So he's got 22 professional fights under his belt. He's got the experience. And he's been like a journeyman. You know, this is a guy that doesn't get a lot of publicity as much as he should. Because this guy, when you watch him fight, he is so freaking good, man. He, you just don't know what to expect from this guy. Now, if there's one guy that could beat Nurmagomedov and give him his first loss, it's definitely Tony Ferguson. He's just as good. But I'm going with the Russian here. He's motivated. He wants Conor McGregor. He wants him for that championship. Not going to happen yet. Maybe down the down the line it could happen. But Nurmagomedov, man, he is a tremendous fighter. Very, very good fighter. He's undefeated for a reason. And I think he's going to stay undefeated. He's going to beat Tony Ferguson to become the new UFC interim lightweight champion. Hopefully, down the road, we get McGregor versus Nomagomdov. That would be some freaking fight. But as of right now, not going to happen. And for that championship belt, the interim belt, give me the Russian Nomagomdov to knock off Tony Ferguson. Yeah, this is going to be a very, very good fight. This is highly anticipated. This is one I'm really looking forward to as well. Uh, Khabib, he wants this fight. He offered Tony Ferguson a good chunk of money to make this fight happen when you know Ferguson kept denying it, and now it's finally happening. Uh, I think Khabib has to win this. I mean, if he doesn't, you know, it's, it's going to suck for him because he wanted this so badly. He keeps calling out Conor McGregor. He is undefeated, so he's bound to lose at some point. I really don't think it's going to be this time. I think he is fired up. He cannot wait. This is probably one of the biggest tests for him in Tony Ferguson because, you know, he's, he's nobody to mess with. So don't sleep on Tony Ferguson whatsoever. But I think Khabib Namagomedov has got this fight this Saturday night. And we'll see what happens. I think him and Conor McGregor is very, very intriguing. Yeah, very intriguing, and hopefully down the road when Connor's done with this whole Mayweather stuff that he gets back in the UFC and gets this fight with Norma Gondov. Finally in the main event, a rematch from UFC 205 for the welterweight championship. Tyron Woodley, the champion, versus Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Of course, their first fight took place at the Madison Square Garden. They had a tremendous fight that ended in a draw. That's a rare occurrence in the UFC these days is a draw. Uh, but, you know, it was so tough to call because, you know, both these guys killed each other in that fight. If you had not seen that first fight, uh, that was a tremendous fight. My expectations for this fight, I'm not sure if it's going to be better than the first one. But it's going to be pretty damn interesting, man. It really is going to be really, really fun to watch. Not sure what to expect in this fight. Both guys are going to try to kill each other once again. I think it's going to be a stand-up game because both these guys are knockout artists. Um, but if I'm going to pick, man, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm going to go with Steven Thompson for the win. I know Tyron Woodley is a great champion. He's a tremendous fighter. But for some reason, man, there's just constant title changes in the welterweight division. You know, because the division is so deep with talent that we're seeing a new champion almost every month, every single, you know, every couple of months. And, you know, we've seen Robbie Lawler as champion. We've seen Johnny Hendricks as champion. Now Tyron Woodley's champion. I think we're going to see another title change this Saturday. I like Thompson. He's a great fighter. He's a big guy. He's got good knockout power. So does Tyron Woodley, man. But for some reason in that fight with Tyron Woodley, Thompson found a weakness in Woodley. You know, Woodley's a tough guy to beat because he's a good stand-up guy. He can knock you out with one punch. But Thompson found something. I think he's going to exploit it this Saturday. And I think he's going to beat Tyron Woodley to become the new UFC Welterweight champion. Should be a great fight, and I think we're going to see a big, big win for Steven Thompson. I think he's going to become the new champion. 
Yeah, it's a very bold prediction right there. Anything can happen, especially after watching that fight that went down at UFC 205. So I would not be shocked if we get a new champion. But I'm going with Tyron Woodley. Uh, you know, again, he he at first he won the fight back at 205, and then they called it a draw. I think he's got this. I, I'm not going to say he's got it in the bag because Stephen Thompson, we, we saw what he, what he took. We saw how much pain he endured in that fight, and he never gave up. And like you said, he found a weakness in Tyron Woodley that I don't think anybody really has ever found. So uh, if anybody has a shot to beat Woodley for this belt, it's definitely Wonderboy Thompson. So I think it's going to be a tremendous fight. I mean, right after UFC 205, I said immediately, these two can easily headline a pay-per-view down the road. And here we go, UFC 209, they're headlining this, and it's going to be awesome awesome to see i'm pumped for it again who does not want to see this again i mean my god it's going to be a tremendous fight i'm going to go with tyron woodley to retain this belt though it, it is a toss-up man it should be a great fight and it should be a great night of fights this saturday on pay-per-view 10 p.m eastern time ufc 209 the prelims will take place 8 p.m eastern time on fox sports one and like i said if you want to see the main card order it on pay-per-view 10 p.m eastern time ufc 209 Moving on from the UFC, back to the WWE with our predictions for Fastlane, which takes place this Sunday. It is the final Raw exclusive pay-per-view before WrestleMania. So here is the match card. We'll start off with the pre-show match. Tag team action in the Cruiserweight division. Rich Swan and Akira Tozawa take on Brian Kendrick and Noam Dar. This this is this was just a match put together, so I'm just gonna go you know on a on a limb here. Give me Tazawa and Swan for the win. It looks like they're pushing Tazawa as a legitimate contender for the cruiserweight championship. He's getting a lot of TV time on Raw, which is good to see because he's very talented. So should be a fun cruiserweight tag team match. There's really no reason for this match. It's just a way to get these guys on the card. But overall, should be a fun match. Give me the good guys to beat the bad guys. So Swan and Tazawa for the win. Yeah, I'm going to make this short and sweet. I'm going to go with the same. I think the faces are going to win. I think Akira Tozawa is probably one of the most over cruiserweights that we have seen, uh, you know, in a while. And I think, you know, obviously he's been he's been making a huge impact as of late. You know, he's been featured week after week. I think him, him and Rich Swan are going to pick up the win. Uh, again, pre-show kickoff, so who knows how many people will watch it or be invested in it, but I do think the faces will prevail. Uh, continuing with the Cruiserweight division, the Cruiserweight title will be on the line as well. Neville takes on Jack Gallagher. Easy, easy pick here. Neville's going to win this match. Again, I like Gallagher. He's a good talent, but he's just not a believable uh, champion, a believable contender for that championship. Uh, Neville's going to win this match. In terms of what's going to happen after this match with the Cruiserweight division and that championship i'm not so sure i want to see the ladder match between a lot of the cruiserweights but if i had to make a guess it looks like we're going to get aries versus neville aries is clear to wrestle they're just waiting for the right time to put him back on television in the ring so we'll see what happens with that but on sunday though easy pick neville remains the champion he beats jack gallagher yeah, easy here again, short and sweet. Neville's going to be the champion coming out of this match. Like I said earlier, I do think it's going to be a very, very fun match. Jack Gallagher is a very fun guy to watch in the ring, very entertaining. I think it's going to be great, but coming out of it, Neville is still going to be the champ. Moving on to some women's action, Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax. Another easy pick here. Nia Jax is going to win this match. I mean, maybe it would be right to give Sasha the win, but you know, Nia Jax is undefeated. They want to continue to push her as a legitimate threat to that championship. Doesn't really make that much sense for Sasha to get over her, get over Nia Jax on this part. So uh, give me Nia Jax once again to beat Sasha Banks in what should be a very short match. 
Yep, again, I'm going to make this short and sweet because it just doesn't need any further discussion. Nia Jax is going to win as well. It would make no sense for Sasha Banks to pick up the win. They're going to keep pushing Nia Jax. She's somehow going to get into this matchup. It's going to be a multi-woman match at WrestleMania for this belt. So Nia's going to win, and she's going to give, bring momentum into WrestleMania, and we'll see what happens from there. Tag team titles are on the line. Gallus and Anderson versus Enzo and Cass. It should be a good match. I wasn't happy with the build-up to this match. I didn't think they put enough effort into building this match, but for this Sunday, another easy pick for me. Gallus and Anderson are going to win this match. They just won the belts. No need to take the belts off of him right now. Give him the championships going to WrestleMania. Enzo and Cass might win it in the very end, but for right now, Gallus and Anderson will walk out still your tag team champions. Yeah, I think these two teams, I mean, I don't know if anybody else is going to get involved, but I do think these two teams are going to go at it again at WrestleMania in some fashion. Again, there might be some teams added to this match, or it might just be straight up Gallows and Anderson versus Enzo and Cass again. I think Gallows and Anderson do retain on Sunday, but I don't think it's cleanly. I think there's some shenanigans or some cheating or some disqualification. Something's going to go down that makes Enzo and Cass you know, relevant into the title picture still heading into WrestleMania because I just, you know, with their involvement here at this time, it just makes me think that at WrestleMania, they're also going to be involved in the title match. So I do think Anderson and Gallows are going to win, but again, some screwy finish for sure. All right, next matchup is my pick for match of the night, Samoa Joe versus Sami Zayn. Uh, it's going to be match of the night if, only if, they give these two guys the proper time to pull together a great match. All right, If it's going to be a short match, have Joe beat Sami Zayn under 10 minutes, that makes no sense. Give these guys a good, a good amount of time to put together a good match because we all know they're capable of it. But another easy decision here, Samoa Joe is not losing this match. It sucks for Sami Zayn he's going to lose this match, but Samoa Joe, he's a hot topic right now in the WWE. He's made a huge impact so far in Raw. They're going to continue to ride this momentum, so give me Samoa Joe to knock off Sami Zayn in what I think will be the match of the night, only if they get the proper time to pull off a great match. Yeah, for sure. I think this is one that a lot of people are looking forward to. Samoa Joe's going to win. It would make no sense for him not to win at this point. I mean, my God, he's beaten everybody so far. He's the destroyer. He's been pushed pretty good, booked pretty good as of late on the main roster. There's, there would be no point in having him lose to Sami Zayn. What happens from here on out? What Samoa Joe does at WrestleMania? Who knows? I think he'll be involved probably with Sami Zayn at some point or whatever. Or maybe he'll be in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Who the hell knows? But again, Samoa Joe is definitely beating Sami Zayn. That's for sure this Sunday. Like you said, Brian, if they give him enough time, they could put on a great match. Honestly, even with little time, I think they could put on a good showing. So we'll see what happens. But Samoa Joe for the win for sure. Alright, next matchup is Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns. I'm picking Roman Reigns to win this match because I think Braun Strowman is gonna get himself disqualified. I think it's gonna be a physical match. That's no that's a no-brainer. It's gonna be very physical. Big match between these two guys. Their build-up has been very, very solid. I was very hyped up for their match after this Monday. I'm only hoping that Roman Reigns doesn't go over cleanly over Braun because it makes no sense in terms of Braun's push. You can't have that happen. So to protect Braun. And to protect your guy, Roman Reigns, I think Reigns will win this match simply because Braun gets two out of hand, whether it's putting Roman Reigns through a table, hitting with a steel chair, no matter what, I think Roman Reigns wins this match simply because Braun Strowman gets himself disqualified. 
Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I, I don't think either of these guys win. I, I definitely don't. I, I don't think you can have Roman Reigns go over. And um, I, I just, you know, like Braun should go over. But again, I don't think you could have Braun go over Roman Reigns. I, I really don't think that makes sense, especially if you have Roman Reigns going up against The Undertaker uh, at WrestleMania. You can't have him go in on a losing streak. So I don't think either of these guys win. I think maybe they fight too much on the outside. Both get disqualified somehow. Or maybe, like you said, Braun Strowman gets himself disqualified and Roman Reigns technically gets the win. But I think in the end, Roman puts down Braun, and I think we see The Undertaker at the end of the show. I think Roman and Braun is going to end the show, as I don't think Goldberg and, and Kevin Owens is going to. I think this match will. And I think we're even going to see The Undertaker at the end of Fastlane, either you know, to, uh, you know, choke slamming or tombstoning Roman Reigns. And that's how the show is going to end, and that's going to start the build towards Taker and Reigns heading into WrestleMania. I think that's going to happen, and I think that's going to end the show. All right, moving on to the Raw Women's Championship, Bailey versus Charlotte. Again, this is going to be very short and sweet. Because of the current narrative it's going, it's going to be Charlotte. There's just no other way. They're continuing the stupid pay-per-view streak. Charlotte's going to win this match. She's going to become a champion for the 6,000th time. It's absurd. The storyline's stupid, but you can tell it's going to happen. WrestleMania is probably going to be the place where she loses her first pay-per-view match, but not at Fastlane. It doesn't make sense for her to lose her pay-per-view streak at Fastlane. It makes more sense for WrestleMania, but it's a stupid story no matter what. But in the very end, we all know what's going to happen. Charlotte beats Bailey. I'm not sure how she's going to beat Bailey, whether it's a Sasha heel turn or Charlotte beats Bailey clean. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but we all know in the very end, the end result's going to be Charlotte becoming, yet again, the women's champion of Raw. No, I don't think so. I, I think um, I think Charlotte does win, but but by disqualification. So I don't think she wins the belt. I think Sasha Banks gets involved here. I do. I think uh, she disqualifies Charlotte, which you know gives the, the win. Well, actually, no, she disqualifies Bailey because she gives the win to Charlotte. But she attacks Charlotte, you know, doing so, and Bailey gets to hold on to the belt. But maybe you see a little bit of, you know, uh, tension between Bailey and Sasha. And then, you know, you got to see the Sasha Banks heel turn coming. I think maybe the next night Sasha goes again. Bailey, you couldn't do it on your own again. I had to come in, help you out, make sure you retain that title. You can't win without me. Bam, heel turn. And then, uh, you know, there you go. So I don't think Charlotte wins it back for a sixth time. I think it's way too predictable for that to happen. It wouldn't make sense. It would really just take away Bailey's title win that she you know, had on Raw. It just wouldn't make sense. It's not going to do the same Sasha-Charlotte storyline that we've seen. So I think by disqualification, Bailey holds on to the belt. And finally, in the main event, the unfortunate circumstance that we're going to see in this match, Goldberg versus Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. It's a damn shame that this is going to happen. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but we all know it's going to be Goldberg winning the belt over Kevin Owens. It's a damn shame that's going to happen because that's something that should not happen. We all know that. Kevin Owens being CM Punked by Goldberg is going to be such a shame to watch. You know, to, to see the sight of Goldberg holding that championship is going to be a sickening sight to see. And to understand that we're going to get Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg at WrestleMania for that belt is even more sickening to see. Now, the only way, though, I will accept the Goldberg win over Kevin Owens is if Jericho appears and screws Kevin Owens. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. I'm not hearing anything about that. All I keep hearing is that Goldberg is going to beat Owens the way he beat Brock Lesnar. Maybe a couple of spears and a jackhammer, and that's it. Match ends in under a minute. If that's the case, you are killing Kevin Owens' look, his image. You don't want to do that, all right? If you're going to have Kevin Owens lose his belt, protect him at the same time. And the way to protect him is to have him get screwed. 
by Chris Jericho. And it makes sense because it will continue their buildup to WrestleMania between those two guys. Now, realistically, what should happen is Brock Lesnar comes out to screw Goldberg. Kevin Owens retains the belt, and he'll defend it versus Chris Jericho. But we all know that's not the right thing to do, according to Vince McMahon. The right thing to do is to give the belt to Goldberg, have him face Brock Lesnar, because that's what everyone wants to see, which is bullshit. But in the very end, we all know it's going to be the outcome. Goldberg's going to win this match. How he's going to win this match, I'm not so sure. The right way for him to win this match is to have Jericho screw Kevin Owens. But let's be honest, I'm not sure if that's even going to happen. But we all know the reality. We all know the truth. Goldberg, unfortunately, is going to be the new Universal Champion after Fastlane. There's no other way to put it. You can tell me any way Owens can win this match. Not happening. No chance in hell Goldberg is losing this match. He's going to win this match. The question will be, though, how he's going to win it. And if I was doing the writing, have Jericho come out, screw Kevin Owens. But let's be honest, I'm not sure if that's going to be even possible with Jericho out of action with the storyline, of course, purposes, but still, it's gonna be it's gonna suck to see this happen. But Goldberg will be the new, the new Universal Champion. It's funny how many people know this is gonna happen, but are still gonna be complaining on Twitter after it happens. Yeah, it's gonna mind boggle me because this is so damn obvious that Goldberg's winning. People, I mean, again, nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. But again, there's nothing we could do about it. So complaining online ain't gonna get it, get us anywhere. But I just can't wait to see the outpour of people complaining on Sunday night when this match is over and Goldberg is the champion. He's going to become the champion, whether people like it or not. We're going to see Chris Jericho, too, I think, because, you know, again, he's been out of action with storyline purposes, but I think that's the whole point, is because now we're going to see him in a big spot like this. Again, I don't even know. He doesn't even necessarily need to get physical with Kevin Owens. I really don't think he is. I think, you know, his music hits, he comes out on the entrance ramp, you know, uh, Owens, you know, again, he, he he looks at Jericho, he gets distracted, he turns around, there's Goldberg for the spear, the jackhammer, and then it's over. Goldberg has to beat Kevin Owens in less time than he did with Brock Lesnar. Because, again, that just makes Brock look weak compared to Kevin Owens. And, again, we, we all know that's not the case. We all know Brock Lesnar is ten times the man that Kevin Owens is. Again, just by looking at them, you could tell that. So, I think... You know, again, he's going to beat him in less time, and I think that's how it's going to go down. If they do get physical, Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, Jericho's going to beat him down so much to the point where, you know, again, the, before the match starts, they drag Kevin Owens into the ring, they finally get him on his feet, they start the match, and then, bam, again, same process. Spear, jackhammer, one, two, three, done. It's going to be quick like that. But I think Chris Jericho is going to screw Kevin Owens over, which is not going to make the loss as bad as as you know, we think it's going to be. So again, I think that's how it's going to go down. There's no way I don't think we we there's no way we don't see Chris Jericho involved in this. So at the end of the night, Goldberg will be the Universal Champ, and you know we're going to have to suck it up and like it or not because it's going to happen. Unfortunately, like you said, Brian, nobody wants to see it, but it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, I, I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'd be shocked too if it doesn't happen. I'll be happy and stoked that it doesn't happen. But again. <laughs> It's gonna happen, people. There's no other way. You can make any. You can say, give me any scenario that uh, Owens is going to win this match. I'm not. I'm not gonna buy into it. We all know the truth is going to be Goldberg's gonna win this belt. But I agree with you, Ryan. It won't hurt as much if, and it's a big if, Chris Jericho gets involved. There's no guarantee he gets involved. All right. I'm not. There's no guarantee about that. It would not shock me if Goldberg beats Owens the way he beat Brock. Spear out of nowhere, jackhammer, match is over. Because Vince thinks that's a great idea. It's not a great idea. But I can definitely see Vince do that. 
But in order to protect Kevin Owens, have him get screwed. It won't look as bad if that happens. But I can't sit here and say that that's going to happen. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. I'm hoping it happens. But again, no guarantees this Sunday. The only guarantee, though, is that Goldberg will be the new champion. That's all the time we got, people. Thank you for tuning in. Again, if you guys happen to miss us live, you can catch us on Stitcher and on iTunes. Subscribe to our show. We will be on both those websites by tomorrow morning. Um, we did a lot today, so we have a lot to cut. We had a lot to cover, and we have a lot to cover next week. We have, you know, recapping Fastlane, recapping UFC 209. Raw recap, SmackDown recap, NXT recap, probably more news with TNA situation, maybe some news in New Japan Pro Wrestling. A lot to cover into next week, so hopefully you guys tune in. Same time, same day, and same channel. It's your radio.com. So that's all the time we got. I'm Brian Sendek. He's Ryan Moderano. This has been the Royal Rumble Wrestling Podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy UFC 209 and Fastlane. We'll see you next Thursday right here on itsyourradio.com.